What's going on, guys? AJ here bringing you yet another episode of the E1B2 Collective Podcast. Now, this is a special one, guys. This episode is netting over two hours. Yes, Joe Rogan style. Okay, this is a little bit of Let's Talk Startups. This is a little bit of your traditional employee experience, amazing content. And this is a lot of bit of just straight fire. Now, Galen Emanuel, he's a dear friend, a colleague, someone that I've worked with, someone that I respect, and he's a mentor. He completely rips this episode apart in a good way. He crushes it. And I think I crush it too. Now, we get into a couple of different debates. We talk practical executions around all things employee experience. And then we also talk business. We talk pure startup world. Anyone that plays in the startup world, whether you're a founder, whether you're a venture capitalist, whether you're an internal head of people inside of a startup, you will a hundred thousand percent appreciate this episode. Again, this episode is netting over two hours. It's amazing. I've never recorded an episode this long, and I've never recorded an episode this great. Thank you, Galen. Thank you to every single person that's ever downloaded this episode. And I'm going to say thank you to myself. And I'm going to say thank you to myself because I sustained a level of energy throughout this episode that I've never sustained before. And I've created a world where I've been able to push out so much content to you guys where my point of view and the points of views of many others are consistent. And I'm appreciative of that and I'm proud of that. So again, this episode is a fucking banger. I love it. I, I'm obsessed with it. I personally will listen to this front to back at least a thousand times myself. And so when I look at the data, right? When I pull out, when I pull up the CVS and I look at the data, and I look at the downloads, I'm going to immediately start counting at a thousand and one because I know a thousand of these plays are going to be just me alone. I've learned so much and I'm going to continue to learn so much. So thank you, Galen. Again, Galen Emanuel, the great, the amazing, the conqueror. <laughs> uh, he's a good guy, really smart guy. And uh, I'm done talking now. So again, thank you, Galen. Again, thank you, Anthony. AJ, you guys know I get that mixed up sometimes, but everyone calls me AJ, so I'm just going to say AJ. And thank you so much to all of the listeners of the E1B2 Collective Podcast. Let's hop in. All right, cool, Galen. Uh, Galen, we're recorded now. I'll edit out this little part that's 12 seconds here. But um, oh. thanks a lot for you coming back onto this podcast, brother. It's been, uh, it's been a while since you've been back. Um, I think... I think we're up to almost 400 episodes and <laughs> I think you were number, I don't know, I probably should have that maybe number 76 or 84 or 137. I don't know. You're one of those. Um, but uh, you, you're one of the best, most downloaded, actually one of the, I think your top three, top five. Amazing. Um, so that's cool. Um, so for anybody now, you know, the, the, the podcast has grown so much since then. So please, Give us uh, just briefly your background, who you are, uh, what you do, maybe 67 seconds long. <laughs> and uh, just again, for those that haven't uh, heard you or, or haven't uh, been privy to any of your amazing content, and then we'll, we'll just dive into an organic conversation, brother. 
I love it. And I will try not to go 68 seconds. So if I get over 67, cut me out. Um, yeah, great. I mean, the heart of my work, what I do with teams is a mix of skills training and sort of culture work. So you know, speaking at conference, working with teams, doing keynotes and whatnot, but um, essentially talking about leadership, emotional intelligence, self-awareness, communication skills, uh, just personal impact and like influence on other people. Uh, so a lot of it is, you know, whether that's giving, receiving feedback, just in general, um, you know, one of the things that I do talk about, like applying the principles of improv and yes and to like be really present in communications, think about how you impact other people, respond to other ideas, et cetera. Um, and then a, a big, big chunk of the work that I do that I love so much is working in like an extended sort of time period with top level leadership, executive teams, et cetera, to define, establish and implement culture inside organizations uh, in a real tangible way. And I'm sure that we will dive into a little bit of that today with what we talk about, but um, really, really doing that. I know that's a very elusive, complex kind of topic, but um, that's it. It's like working with teams, individuals, leaders, executive teams to establish more intentional, exceptional, like team culture, performance, engagement, all those things. Just like people being awesome to each other, being great leaders, more intentional, more effective, and just fucking teams that kick more ass. So that's that's sort of my jam and any and all things in that space entrepreneurship i also just love just business and teams and human beings so there we go there it is that was like 69 seconds so oh yeah. shit you can edit two seconds of that out <laughs> i'm sure i said something in there that was inane so no it's all good you said it's okay <laughs> um no man so look that's uh Great background. I knew everything you just said, but please, if anyone that did not uh, know any of that information, please check out Galen. He's amazing. He has uh, twice the amount of content I have out here in the world and I have a bunch. So uh, check it out. And also one thing I want to kind of commend you on something that I don't do, you know, I'm a very scrappy raw, just literally recorded while I'm driving down the road and throw it out to the world. You have done a really great job with your aesthetics of your uh, your videos uh primarily frankly your youtube videos where you'll be able to like, create these amazing aesthetically pleasing videos you can tell the quality is uh definitely 5k <laughs> um is that the right terminology 4k 4k is it 5k not a thing yet uh five i think you're i think you're taking you're thinking 5g oh shit. i don't well, yeah i think it's just from 4k to 8k i think they double it i don't know that's not my jam. That's not my world. But yeah, 4K, whatever. That's how you can tell how much you know. Um, but your videos, the content within the videos, the aesthetic, the delivery, um, you do a great job. So anyone, please, uh, listening to this, go check out Galen. You'll enjoy the content. Um, he's a great guy. And yeah, that's about all I'm going to give. Uh, Thank you. you. Thanks, AJ. And also like, just like, can't take all credit for that. I have a full-time video guy who's absolutely brilliant. Uh, and Emily on my team who also does all of our sort of like digital stuff, market, you know, marketing kind of things. And she's brilliant. So my team makes my stuff look really, really great. Uh, yeah. And just not a, not a sales pitch, not a whatever, but I put out just for people to my YouTube content and stuff like that. I put out a weekly five minute video that covers all kinds of topics around team culture, leadership, communication, all that sort of thing. So that's, and everything we put out, we, we send it out via email, but then we put, we upload it to YouTube. So um, has a lot of, yeah, there's just a lot of content stuff for people to dive into there, but um, thank you, man. I appreciate the compliment and I'll stop talking now about that. <laughs>
All right, so let's so let's jump into some things. Um, I I put together. Well, you sent me some topics as we were actually talking offline here or off, you know, official recording. I was actually putting together some thoughts myself that I just wanted to. I don't think I've ever directly asked you. Um, I want to think about it and talk about. Are there any new companies that are that have that have that have uh, stumbled upon your 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 mind there as you were sleeping or showering or eating? You know, I know you've been running this company now for some time. Have you ever thought about um, doing the 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 I guess the concept that, that I'm doing, frankly, that I think and, and I'll and I'll even say this something that I think a lot of people copy Gary Vaynerchuk around is a lot of his content delivery, a lot of his personality and the way he delivers content and a lot of other things one thing that i personally copied him around is i was always fascinated by the like the vayner x brand and how many different companies he kind of has under that umbrella and so for my listeners really quickly if you haven't noticed when i created the e1 beach collective i purposely created it where there's a lot of shit happening at one time have you ever thought about doing something like that where you have this company are there any companies that are like like uh, just locked in your subconsciously that you have not let the world know about? Uh, that's a great question. And I would say uh, probably not. And and when I think about that, starting other sort of companies, I think about that in terms of just like business development of my own brand. So next level kind of shit, things that we want to get into uh, that I'm excited about that are just sort of an expansion of, of my brand and what I'm doing and my company already because I'm just so I'm pretty locked in and like full throttle in love with the work that I do now and the just different aspects of it. So there was probably a time when I was like, oh, I want to start this other thing and this other thing, but everything is such an offshoot of what I'm already doing in terms of just human personal interaction connection, you know, uh, that I, th I think of those things in terms of, and yeah, there's, I'm, I think I'm similar to you in some regards in that I have like four or five or six or seven like business ideas, like the next 2.0, 3.0, like, 8.0 version of my business that I'm doing now, I always have those steps in place. And I'm thinking of them in terms of like very long-term, right? What's the five-year, 10-year kind of plan. So, uh, but everything right now that I'm dreaming up and inspired about for different, you know, businesses are really just sort of like expanding, scaling, offering, doing more in the space that I'm kind of already in to a certain degree. Um, like as an example, you know, we're talking about, uh, you know, helping teams be more effective, right? Communicate better, establish ground rules, those types of things. And like, I'm also like interested in that on a human level. So also talking about like, what does that look like in a relationship or like in a sort of like family unit kind of thing? So it's like those types of things. Where I'm like, that's not a totally separate business. It's just like, cool. How can this, these same principles and ideas and concepts and skills, uh, if you want to call them that, apply to like having more successful relationships or, um, you know, those types of things. So yeah, I don't know. Have you, so give me one, let's, let's like do a little brainstorming session for here for like 12 seconds. Is there one that maybe even wasn't like an ancillary? Cause what I just heard you say is kind of taking a core thesis and applying it to a different industry potentially. Is there something that um, we could like, if we were to like look into the crystal ball seven years down the road, is there something that seriously may pop up? Like something that is like consistently on your radar that, you maybe want to like tell the world about and then if so if so and this is one thing we talked about Galen we wanted to kind of take this episode away from the day-to-day -day culture employee experience stuff that we typically talk about and kind of more have like a pure business conversation because 
I think, again, for the listeners, I think that's something that me and you have in common, which is, yes, we're very much of these culture employee experience type guys, but uh, we're, we're very, we're very much operators, we're very much business owners, we're very much entrepreneurs. And so um, if you have a, another idea that could be coming down the road seven years from now, uh, how would you go about starting it slash how would you go about restarting your company now if you had the opportunity? Um, oh, man. Great questions. I'm trying to learn I, new things about you. Yeah. Um, well, do, 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 do. I mean, I think one of the things might be just taking a lot of the information that I have. If So when I, like, let's just stick with what I already said, because it's mostly in my brain right now, the idea of sort of how intentional culture can apply to like a relationship, right? Or like a family kind of thing. So I think about that in terms of just taking some of the principles, research, things that exist in my world that I do and probably start that with with a book, like writing a book around it, like introducing completely new concepts or, or topics or ideas of like, how can you go about these things? Um, applying some of these other things that I've learned or understand about, so like just intentional relationship you know, ground rules and that kind of stuff um, and apply it. So I think it probably starts with like a book or reaching audiences that are in that space to be like, hey, uh, and I think that's sort of like how I started my business originally was I have this idea for this content. Let me bench test it. Cause I'm, you know, when people come to me and say, hey, I wanna be a speaker, I wanna do this work. I'm like, cool, all that is lovely. Get in front of five or 10 audiences and get some feedback. Like do, is what you have to say original and interesting? Is it valuable to people? What do they tell you? You know, get honest feedback from them. So. When I think about launching into that space, I'm like, you know, I just want to test it with real people. So I want to get, you know, 100 people, 50 people, whatever, in a room, do this content, have those conversations and experience. And in that, you know, develop that content, learn from that, gather feedback from that and make sure like what I have in mind is actually, you know, it's just like the startup kind of thing. It's like, let's test this and see, is this actually valuable to somebody? Will they actually, you know, pay for it or, or whatever, which isn't the focus is not the money getting made is just like, is this valuable to something? Is this something that someone hasn't heard before in this way that can help them? So I think it's a combination of that and 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 probably writing a book, which it's funny to say that now because I've been working on a book for years and still don't have one out. Um, but uh, when you say when you say working on a book, I've heard people say that a lot. What is that? Are you mean? Do you mean you literally wake up? you know, twice a week and, and open your computer and start typing away? Or are you talking about just you've been ideating in your brain? Ah, both. Um, so I have, so just two books that I have in the works right now. One is um, really specifically around building culture, like right? the work that I do with teams that is a step-by-step. So like, this is very tangible, tactical. This is how you do this and set culture and establish culture. And that, that book, I've been writing that book for three or four years, and it hasn't come out. I haven't finished it, but I'm always learning. I'm always growing. I'm always working with different clients and learning more stuff. And so, you know, it takes a long time, but I'm, it, it hasn't felt ready. hasn't felt complete. Like I, um, if I had even written it a year ago versus completing it right now, just what I've learned, gained in experience and like advising organizations of going through this, like, because the experience of doing that working through that with teams and executive teams, like I'm learning pitfalls, cleaning up, refining the process. And like, so working on a book to me is like, yes, I have written the whole book, um, but I look at old versions of the written and be like, it's so incomplete based on everything that I'm learning and, and knowing. So that one is a little bit kind of ongoing. And I, you know, a lot of people, especially in my space, race to get a book out. It's like, you have to have a book out. And, and it's kind of ridiculous. Some of the 
some of the size of conferences or, or things that I'm doing keynotes for, the fact that I don't have a book is sort of ridiculous, but I'm also just like, yes, I understand it's important to have one. I also want to write a book that's fucking great. Um, and that I've done something for years and years and years that I, that I know what I'm talking about, that it's tested, that it works before I just be like, well, I have to have a book because that's important. So that one is a little bit different in terms of the type of book that it is, um, because this is like a how to do this thing in an organization very, very clearly. Another one hey, that I'm writing is hey, just, you. yeah. Before you give me the second one, I want to touch on something you just said that I think is important. And and tell me if this is something that's natural to your DNA, because I, what I think I know about you, I think the answer is probably yes. You said that speakers like you at the stage that you're at, they typically have books. And like, have you ever noticed like, when it comes to this professional branding, personal brand, HR leadership type thing that we all do, there's a lot of things that are like supposed to be, right? Like you're supposed to have a book, you're supposed to have this type of a website, you're supposed to have this type of content, you're supposed to have this or that. Um, I think you're a little similar to me where you don't necessarily need to or always have to follow the supposed to track. Is that is that a, is that an intentional thing? Is that something you just do or because I you know and you know enough about me that's something I think I've tried to do a lot as I've broken into this space which is I don't know I just do shit that I personally want to do and I I've learned over the years to um, stop trying to find like examples of what it should look like and just authentically do what makes sense I think to me and more importantly makes sense to the end consumer, which in my case are honestly the employees of, of, of my companies, of other companies and things of that nature. And so I don't know, I just don't, I don't, what I guess what I'm trying to say is, I don't know if it's always the right thing to follow these traditional blueprints of how to build a personal brand or a professional brand in this space. I think there are other ways to go about it. Have you, have you ever thought about that? Is that intentional for you? Or I don't know, did, did that rant make any sense? It did make sense. Uh, and it does make, you know, uh, uh, that is something I don't know that it's 100% intentional. I am very much the mind of sort of like, I see, um, hmm, trying to like explain this in a way that makes sense to my strength finders, my top two strength finders are strategy. That's my number one second one is like activator of like action. And so I've always like, I wasn't on social media for many, many, many years of like building this business because I was like, right, when you're, you're a small business owner, marketing and all that kind of stuff is just triage. I could spend all day building a social media brand and stuff like that. But I'm like, I, you know what? I, I know that there's value to having hundreds of thousands of followers, but those people don't pay me your fucking mortgage. And so I was like, I need to build my content. I need to learn and make sure that I'm, what I'm delivering to companies is phenomenal. And I saw from early on, if I can get in front of a room of 100 HR people and my content is so fucking good and compelling that they're like, holy shit, I want my whole team to experience this and they'll hire me. That pays my mortgage. And like posting all day on social media and like, right, building a follower and stuff like that. I was always just like, yeah, I'll get to that. But to me, the path wasn't like, let's just build this huge outward brand to the world because a lot of people do that. But it's like you, what you actually have to do in this space is build content that's compelling and awesome and absolutely like 
exceptional enough and useful enough that companies are like, holy shit, we want to hire you and give you money to do this. And so I was just like, meh, I just focused on what I understood to be like, this is the most valuable thing. It's not from the outside looking in, I don't really care what it looks like. And I, um, and so I think a book maybe falls sort of like in the similar place. It's there's certain conferences that are like, we won't hire you to like speak here because you don't have a book we can put in the store. And I'm like, that's cool. Um, but I don't want to put out something that isn't that I don't feel like is completely exceptional. So um, yeah, I don't know that's a, an intentional thing. I don't put a lot of stock in that. I don't see other people having success in this space and feel jealous or I'm just like, there. I just, there's so much abundant amount of opportunity out there. I'm not really competitive in that space. I'm not really jealous in that space. I'm just like, I'm gonna follow my intuition and gut and do what I think is like, this makes the most amount of sense to me. Sometimes that's in line with what everybody else is doing. Sometimes it's not. And I, I just don't really ride that line very, like it doesn't have a lot of pull to me because people that do great things don't necessarily follow the crowd, but also like, you know, having a book is a, is a, is a huge something to leverage and it's very important too. So um, I don't know. I just, uh, maybe as a meandering answer, but it's not intentional, but I, if everyone's doing this thing and I don't think it's the right thing to do, I'm like, I don't give a fuck what everyone else is doing. And that's been my whole building, my whole business and, and stuff too, is like, it's not that I think I'm the smartest person in the world. I just am like, if I think this is the right way to go um, based on like sound decision-making and observing and all that kind of stuff, then like, this is the way I'm going to go. And if it's, if I lose out because of that, that's okay. Um, yeah. And let me, let me be on the record too. That was a great response. Let me be on the record too about something and then I'll let you finish your second book concept and idea and then we'll get, in, get into some other deeper nuanced things. Um, let me make something on the record. You may raise your hand and say, I agree. You may not. I heard you say something just now about kind of like the prerequisites that a lot of concert, uh, concerts, conferences, fireside chats, all these other things, like they like to see the speakers have certain things, right? Sometimes it's a book. Sometimes it's you are the CHRO of the of the biggest companies in the world and all these other things. Something I want to be on the record by saying, and this is like a little thing that I'm trying to vent out here personally, and then I just believe this objectively. Just because you are the CHRO of XYZ brand and or just because you have a book that's coming out doesn't always mean you're a true, legitimate, great, um, needle mover, um, objectively amazing practitioner. And I want to push conferences to start leaning more into finding the best practitioners that can really deliver great content in an ad hoc format where you can really do amazing Q&As, answer very direct questions, and not just pre-memorize uh, and 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 and, and, and spew out best practices and nuances that can be Googled in 12 seconds. This is something, and I, and I know that sounded very aggressive, but I, I need to get this on the record, Galen. I don't know if you have any thoughts around this, but it's something I believe in the most because when you run into a guy like me and frankly, a guy like you, Galen, because I, I think you're kind of the two things, right? I think you're very much of a practitioner. And then I know you've done a lot of the, a, a lot of the more traditional speaking events as well. I, I wanna see more conferences though book folks that are true practitioners, folks that literally in the middle of the conference out of nowhere can get an ad hoc question that is very detailed and dive deep into that question for six minutes that really answers questions of many in the audience, but it's very contextual to that person around issues within a company in 2021. I want to see that happen more. 
not just folks that are going on top of a stage because they wrote this bestseller book that they that they gamed the system on Amazon around. Like, all right, I'm ranting now, but you get what I'm trying to say, Galen. <laughs> yeah. Um, I want to see if you have any thoughts around that because it pisses I, I, me off. Uh, I do. And I, you know, I don't have anger in my heart around this topic. Um, you know, I see the both sides of it. I think if you're, I, I'm not saying that you have anger in your heart, um, but I think that, you know, it's, it's hard for conferences too. How do you really know? There's a lot of people out there that are like, I'm a consultant, I'm a speaker. I do that. This is my expertise. How do you like really know? So I think if you're, if you're running a big event, it's hard to sort of sort through that. So, you know, the way that, that events find speakers, I think, I agree with you. The people that are on stage would be like, these people know their shit. And we know they know that they know their shit. You know, there's the celebrity factor that plays a big part with conferences. You know, a perfect example. I don't think Martha Stewart listens to this podcast, so it's probably okay. But Sherm, you know, national, 20,000 people HR conference, they pay all the money in the world. And they have like, Martha Stewart is the keynote speaker. And cool, that, that brings people to the room. Uh, what's that? That makes no sense. Uh, right. And it's like, okay, cool. She bakes, she smokes weed, she's friends with Snoop Dogg. She doesn't know shit about HR. And like the people that went and saw her were like, she said like really problematic, some offensive things. She doesn't understand HR. And like, you know, so it's not a great experience for them. But the celebrity factor to the conference, like, oh, we're going to pay, I don't know, 50 grand or 100 grand or whatever the fuck she costs to bring in there. And it's like, they're, and, you know, in terms of that, she's a joker. If she didn't have celebrity status and said those things, people would be like, why am I here? And I, and I get that for conferences too. Like I just, I have empathy for that. You're trying to put on an event. You want to attract people to the event. I agree with you practitioners, but I think that some of the most brilliant minds out there, no one's ever heard of these people. And I think oh, that like, you know, and that's just, what are you going to do about that? For me, you know, as I'm building up thing, I speak at bigger conferences. I have like great references, videos, like, you know, testimonials from huge fortune 500 companies, like shit, this guy knows his shit, but you know, it takes years and years to build that kind of stuff. So I, I agree with you. I think if I go to a conference, you know, my experience earlier on in my career was I would go to a conference as a free breakout speaker when I was still just like trying to get known, get in front of people. And I was always of the mindset of like, put me in a room full of people. I'll blow their fucking minds. Like, like give me the, the reviews from that. And I can use that to build something else and say, look what people are saying here. And then I would go and see the keynote speaker they paid 10 grand or 20 grand for. And it's someone they wrote a movie about who like, you know, is a baseball player and they say nothing of substance at all. And this person's like, right? <laughs> Um, getting paid a lot to do this thing. And uh, so I, I agree. I feel a lot of sort of like empty calories in that. But to me, it doesn't make me necessarily mad. It just drives me to be like, oh, fuck one day, right? Like once you see, and it just always, always sort of like put this spark in me to be like, I just need to keep pushing and being better and being better and like creating more content that is, I don't know. I just, I, I subscribe to the like, uh, it's nobody else's fault, but mine of like, I have to be so good that, I eventually cannot be ignored, right? Where it's like, I'm going to create buzz. They're going to hear about me based on what I'm doing instead of just go and try to beg these people to see any value in me. It's like, nope, I'll just let me do my thing. Let me crush it here. And like, eventually you'll come to me. So that's my sort of like drive where I'm like, I have no one to blame but myself. Like be better, get better, do better. Um, but yeah, I, I feel you too. A lot of times I'm at conferences and I'm listening to people and I'm like, I, yeah, this person was the HR director for this huge company, da, 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 but I hear them talking about stuff and I'm like, this isn't blowing my mind. Uh, or I go to a conference or see a speaker who's like, you know, they're just based on like a slide deck and, and, and they have a bunch of quotes that I saw on LinkedIn 20 times this week. Like Steve Jobs be like, we don't hire great people and tell them what to do. Uh, we hire great people and they tell us what to do. And like, 
that's not going to blow my mind. I can, I've seen that quote 30 times this fucking week on LinkedIn. So I'm like, I want something compelling that's different. That actually is like, how can I change my organization, my leadership style today based on this thing? And I think that's, you know, also rare to find. I talk too much, but those are my thoughts about it. I get it on the, on the part of a conference. I'm like, I get it. Uh, But you know, yes, I think that it should be people of substance. People are out there like making things happen and creating results. And, and sometimes the, the title or the celebrity status of someone is like, well, this is impressive. And I'm like, you know, uh, yeah, just, I get, I get it. Um, hopefully those people are amazing, incredible. And that's what I try to do and focus on myself and be like, all right, cool. Uh, I get, every time I get rejected to huge conferences that I want to speak at, I'm like, okay, cool. That's fine. <laughs> One day you're going to beg me and not from a place of arrogance. I'm just like, that's just my drive is like, I have to take responsibility and ownership to become better and better and better. And, that's just, I, yeah. Hey, Galen, I, I'll tell you one thing and then I'm, we'll move on to another thing that's kind of connected. I look at them with disrespect. That's what I look at them. If, 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 if you don't have enough awareness and enough intelligence to, to bring in someone like you or anyone that is a true practitioner, and I'd even, you know, I throw myself in there a little bit around a couple other things that I'm about to get into. I, I do look at them with disrespect. So if uh, any of those folks that are listening, um, I don't look at you in the best light. And that probably doesn't mean, <laughs> uh, but uh, the, 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 the West Baltimore uh, former football player um, anger comes out a little bit. So um, I don't know what that means. It probably doesn't mean much because um, I'm a, I'm an older gentleman now. I'm, I'm, I'm very uh, tame with my behavior. I'm not aggressive, but I do, I do get upset. So um, furthermore, I have a question for you that I think you'll appreciate. I had this initiative called Project 2030. I think you, I think I've talked to you a little bit about it. Yep. Uh, it's it's taken off decently well right now. And essentially, the thesis is the following: you know, I want to help prepare for the very first time, uh, first time uh, appliers to be a CHRO. So I think the gap between being an individual contributor in an HR manager of seven years, of nine years, of 12 years, and then trying to, for the first time, apply to become a CHRO, um, I think there's a big gap there from a practitioner standpoint. I think there's a big gap there from a leadership standpoint. I think there's a big gap there from understanding pure business standpoint. And within that, something I've been recommending is the following. And I want to get your thoughts on this because I think, again, I think me me and you, we're, we're both pure examples and perfect examples of what I've been trying to recommending to these folks that are going to be a part of this cohort. I think, yeah, I'm going to just say it. this is objective. This is crazy out of the box. I think the fact that you did not traditionally come from pure, purebred HR, I believe the fact that you play two roles in your life, an HR leadership, employee experience, practitioner, speaker, consultant, slash business owner with employees, I believe you being able to have those two points of views and, and practitioner skills. I think the fact that between 19 and 26, I started two companies. I'm now into my third and blending and then spending six years in-house as a head of people. I think those two elements, I think those two worlds of pure business, entrepreneur land, understanding all the parts of an organization, operations, finance, branding, marketing, communications, actually hiring a team when it's coming out of your pocket, meaning emotions are much more connected to it when you're, when 
you know, versus you being a town acquisition partner or uh, or a recruiter in house or a HR director where you're just happening to, to hire folks off of the corporate budget. I believe having those two different frameworks gives you, and when I say you, I mean folks like us, an ability to create not only great content, but a great advice and a consulting, coaching, practitioner world that's deeper, that's more nuanced, that can that CEOs can really get behind and respect because we mm -hmm. can talk both sides and both languages. So here's the question slash statement. Inside of the Project 2030 initiative and curriculum, I've been advising these folks to take like a leap year. What I mean by that is Take a year where all you do before you apply for the first time to try to be a CHRO. Take a year and start a company or apply to do like some internships inside of your own company that you're working at right now as an HR director or another. And just start understanding at a real level, a practitioner level, every single bit of a business and every single bit of other leadership functions that outside of being an individual contributor in the HR space so that your palate can be um, can be robust a bit. And I don't think I said that correctly, but I'm going to keep going with it. And and essentially you have the skill set to come in as a CHRO with a new point of view, with a new set of skill sets, with a new level of strategic empathy that you can then use to push initiatives forward as, uh, as a CHRO to the CEO. So I guess my question to you is, do you think that advice is interesting. Do you think folks like me and you that have the skill of understanding every single aspect of business, and we have personally hired folks out of our own pocket, personally put together communications and marketing initiatives, personally done operations within our own businesses, do you think those things give us, I don't want to use the word an upper hand, but a, but a, a productive point of view that's different than the majority of the the CHROs that are out here. And here's the last final thing, Galen. Mm -hmm. I think all that is important because that's the missing link that I think for a lot of great CHROs out here, that the, 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 the function of HR, frankly, from my personal point of view, at the highest levels, and that's who you're talking to, looks a little bit different in my mind than I think it does right now in the world. And I think folks seem to have skills that I just outlined versus the skills that they currently have. Um, I said a lot. I'm going to shut up now and let you kind of rant for a bit and give me your perspectives on that. Okay. Um, it's an interesting idea. Um, the only part that stands out to me that I'm like, ah, I wouldn't do this is like them launching a business, like starting a business and like being a business owner is there's so many aspects to that. I don't know that somebody floundering around for the first year of owning a business, if they've never got into that space before, would learn a lot other than just like, oh, fuck, this is way too much. But the point, and I think the, the heart of what you're saying that I completely resonate with is like diversity of experience and that diversity of knowledge, of understanding, of empathy, right? Like, and, and a lot of bigger organizations do this well. Like in your career at like Nike, for example, like you're going to spend time on a global team on a, uh, you know, you're going to spend time in operations and different like elements of the business so that by the time you get to be like very high up. And I think that people should be thinking about that if you want to get to like a, yeah, like that top level HR role. I think that like spending some time in an operations role or in, uh, you know, different aspects of the organization so that you understand the business of it. And I think that that, you know, global knowledge is important too, not just the business of that specific organization, but you understand operations from a deep level, you understand 
you know, just different functions of a business um, beyond just that sort of like narrow, sort of like lateral kind of like HR movement. But you know, it's there's a lot of um, there's a lot of variety in there, right? The variable is the individual person because someone with your resume, and I think you're brilliant. I think you're really, really intelligent, clever, uh, observer. Like, I think you're great, but someone could have the same resume as you and also not be very good. <laughs> um, and so, uh, you know, it, it's really kind of about um, results. But I, I think the cross-section of knowledge, of understanding that you've run a business, that you've hired employees, that, right? Like the different perspective. I mean, that's what makes diversity inside organizations strong. These are people that have worked in different industries. They have different lived experiences. They have different perspectives. It's like, that's why uh, a CEO suite or like a, a C-suite of white 50 to 65 year old white wealthy men is bullshit for a company to be like, right? You're just, you're not capitalizing on all of the like wisdom and knowledge and cross-section of views and perspective of that diversity brings. And I think the same thing, you're talking about your own personal career development or getting to like a very high level inside an organization. I think you need that cross-section of experience, diversity, understanding. Um, and, you know, when you understand business in a way where you can, if you're, you know, HR, you can pitch something to the CEO or the CFO, um, right? And make a business case for it. If they are very analytical sort of like, you know, what, what are the fine dollars of this versus like what it, you know, um, that it just makes you more in your role. So I think deeper broadening your understanding of different functions of business, et cetera, are always going to be beneficial to your career. So, um, yeah, I wouldn't recommend someone starting a business, but I think taking a year and like getting into a role and these understanding these other functions of business sometime in your career, uh, I think is, is critical. So, yep. Love it. The idea I think is, is wonderful. Hey Galen, for the first time in in, in our uh, friendship lives here, I think I I think I may want to try to have a little twelve second debate with you for a moment. Is that possible? I love it. Yeah, give it, dude. Gloves off. Let's do this. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna hit <laughs> you, so I don't need a glove. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, so I have a question. So let me see. How I want to put this, and and and, I, and this is the thing too. You know this about me. You know, I want I want you to actually disagree with me so much or actually show me a different point of view where my original thinking gets immediately dismissed. So I'm, I'm interested to hear your point of view on this. Okay. When, so let's let's use you as an example, actually. Let's forget about me. Um, I believe right now, if you were to try to go in-house and apply to be a, a, a head of people, I believe... And, and you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm egotistical. I'm going to bring it back to me for a second also. <laughs> I think if you were to try to go back in house and be ahead of people, and then I think correlating it and get, connect, connecting it to me in my experiences, here's what I used to do. When, Because here's my thing. When you're a CHRO, you need to understand not only all functions of the business, but at the end of the day, most companies do not have the decision-making rights fully exclusively within the CHRO's bucket of all things people, it's you typically have to get an approval and a green light of either, and you know, I hate this, you're either reporting into the CFO, yeah. either reporting into the COO. Thank God in most situations, this is not the case, but I love it when I see it, you're reporting at an eye to eye level with the CEO. Yeah. I love when I see those things. Should be, yep. But in those examples, I believe the reason why I had success the reason why I think you would have success is because when the CEO was trying to push back at you around why certain things can't get done and they try to float around. And this is what I've heard from folks that are my colleagues now that are in these roles right now, 
when they try to float around the, you don't know what it feels like, or they try to float around, you don't, they, they subconsciously do this like, this like underpinning of a, you don't know what you're talking about. You don't understand these things. You don't understand all the things that are going through my mind of how to make this decision. I believe the experiences that I've had, the experiences that you had, and if folks were to have those experiences, you could actually, even though the scale of the company that the CEO is at right now may be different than the scale of the company you ran, I believe your ability to convince them of an initiative you want to push forward, get that buy-in, whether it's a CFO, a COO, or CEO, I believe just at a pure level, an objective level, you'll be able to pitch that with much more empathy for them, uh, strategy for you, and I think you'll be able to get the, get the deal done more productively and faster at a higher clip and a higher success rate than I think others. And so that's where the big suggestion, the big push came from. Because if you don't know, and if you can't feel, and if you haven't tasted what the CEO or CFO or COO was tasting and feeling and experiencing, it's very tough to come up with a strategy or a pitch that, that will really hit home in their emotional center. Do you have a thought on that? I mean, there's no way in the universe I would ever disagree with that. Um, right, your ability to influence and have conversations and and create a sort of like position and and be compelling to uh, right, like that's of course valuable. And the more experience that you have to get there helps you sort of form those conversations and right and and provide something that's useful. So there's nothing for me to disagree with you about that. I think, um, yeah. What I mean, what were you hoping I would I would uh, where's change your, your stance? On? <laughs> yeah, where's the debate? I'm like I 100 agree with you. Um, um, I guess I guess the debate was from the original point where I felt that the, I felt that I felt and I still believe this. I, I felt that active CHROs, active HR directors, folks that hope to get to the C-suite behind the scenes. I think, for example, Angela Angela R. Howard. I'm gonna give you a shout out. She's a perfect example of someone that took this advice. She's behind the scenes right now as a head of people or above the water right now, not behind the scenes. She's the head of people. But behind the scenes, she's putting together companies. And she, and she did it purposely so she could taste and experience the things that she heard CEOs and other executives say to her when she would try to get initiatives pushed forward. So she mm -hmm. wants to kind of taste and feel and experience why they may have pushed back. And so I remember you had said you wouldn't necessarily recommend the, um, the year of trying to get a business off the ground. And so I guess that's where the small debate may have come in play. Yeah, uh, th there's just a lot of variables there, man. I mean, you, you know, I think I try to, every person that comes to me asking for advice about like starting a company, I do everything that I can in my possible, like in my bones to convince them not to do that because, I feel you. I feel uh, because you. it's not what you think it is. It's not this glorious, I get to do this thing that I love. It's a fucking herding cats. It's like, are you a salesperson and a marketer? If you're not getting a company off the ground is like, if you don't love that work, you won't be able to like climb the, 60 hour a week sort of like you know i, I just it, if it's not something that absolutely thrills you to do the work that it takes to do that you won't you won't make it you won't enjoy it and like it won't be fun for you so i i, I just yeah i see what you're saying i just don't starting a business is something to me that's like not everybody's cut out for that i don't i don't recommend it to anyone and uh you know the first year of starting a company is not you're gonna hire a bunch of people and you know it just seems risky but it's it's in context right like maybe that's somebody i also think that 
you know, someone, if they have a full-time job, that's 40, 50 hours a week, if they're on salary for a big company like that, and they have kids and these other things, like being able to have the bandwidth to start, you know, to start a business is like, not. so I, I don't completely disagree with you. I just don't know that. Um, I think any way, it's the same thing, same way I feel about college or any education. I don't give a shit how or where you got the education, get it, seek it, go get it. So like you take roles inside companies you know, in the finance department or these other places to understand and have more capacity, great. Um, but, you know, when it comes to making a compelling argument for a CEO from the perspective of an HR person, I mean, there's a lot of HR people out there that have a lot of content around that. Like you could you could YouTube that shit to be great at, uh, at something like that too, to be like, here's, you know, if you don't have these skills and capacity, you don't know how to make those arguments. I think there's a myriad of content out there to like, to, to level up that skill in you individually. So um, I just, you know, when I hear about somebody else starting a business, I'm like, are you sure you want to do that? It's fucking crazy. Um, but, you know, I, I, there's nothing to sort of like debate. There's no one like 100% yes, this is a good idea or not. It just depends. I think there's a, so many variables there. And, and I'm like, get the education, learn, understand different aspects of the business. If that means taking different roles throughout your career to be like, yeah, I'm going to take one or two years and I'm going to really understand operations, finance, you know, like, other elements of the business that will help me be more effective when I get to that role? Hell yes. Um, you know, to me, that's, uh, you know, someone's coming to me to apply for a CHRO position. And like, uh, I spent these years learning these things so I could have a more complete, you know, well-rounded knowledge of organizations altogether. I think that adds a lot of value to like what they're bringing to the table. So um, I, I agree with you. There's nothing to fight on other than just like, I don't think people should start businesses because I think it's a, it's a hell pit. If you, unless you're very cut out for that, it's like, uh, you know. It sucks. <laughs> it's, not, it's not fun, guys. It's not glorious. Like it, it's just, it's, it is fun if you love it. And I think it's just like a, you have to have a specific DNA gene to like, I actually enjoy this torture. Um, and it, it is fun and great and rewarding, but not for everybody. So that's, that's the only thing. And like, it's not even, I don't know. <laughs> that's uh, let's, let's get vulnerable for a second. Galen, are you, are you open to doing that? Hell yeah, man. Always. So, so something that I also find often podcasts, keynotes, other things, folks like us, we often, you know, talk about all these great things around culture, leadership, and et cetera, as if we've never made mistakes before, right? There's not too much content out there where folks like us are willing to kind of talk about things where they completely missed the mark on. And uh, before we hopped on here, you were asking me if I, were, if I was vulnerable or talking about a couple of things. So let's kind of maybe touch on some things. You said across a topic a while back when we were trying to set this up where you said, you know, setting expectations, accountability, things of that nature. And how to set that up and how to format that and, and, and how that is conducive to, to teams and, and new hires and, and folks that are inside of your company and maybe even partnerships. Um, I'll, I'll raise my hand right now and then maybe if you want to give your, your story, your pers personal perspective on that, maybe even give some of your best practices. But I, uh, I, I almost lost Startup BX. I think you actually, you were the first person I called when I thought things were going to like go down go down the tube and go to complete shit. Yep. Um, and frankly, it did. And then there was a, you know, guy decided to come in here and, and sweep me off of my feet and do a complete turnaround, um, which I'm very thankful for. I never actually said that to you guys, so thank you. Um, but uh, besides that, though, at that point, we were, uh, and when I say we, my founders and my partners within the Startup PX brand, we were trying to embed uh, a, new, a new facilitator, a new partner. 
And what I didn't do is I didn't do a great job of setting expectations, putting in accountability structures, and not only that, communicating of where we were as an organization from a true operational standpoint. And so this person was coming in without getting too much details, was breaking a lot of things, bringing a lot of nuance and innovation to the organization, which was amazing in theory, but the timing was off. The timing was off for me emotionally, the timing was off for the organization operationally, and it really created a lot of storm inside the company from a culture, communication, and feeling perspective, which, as we all know, if you have a lot of those storms going on, the brain starts to crumble a little bit. Um, and that's what inevitably happened. Can you share something that you personally within your team, it can be right now, it can be six months ago, it can be three years ago, um, where you just have not done a great job of setting expectations, um, setting up accountability structures for, and this can be for new hires coming in, this can be for your people right now. Talk to me about some of those things and then I think maybe we'll get into like some historical best practices or maybe even some new best practices that you've been applying, but um, anything that you completely sucked on um, when it comes to those things? Yeah. Oh, dude. Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, so much of me learning and being, I think being better at what I do and helping companies with is like also my own failures and, and areas of opportunity to improve and, um, and the places where I totally fell short and had a lot of difficult lessons to learn in that space. So I think perfectly, you know, something we've talked about that I think resonates with you is um, is just making a wrong choice to hire someone, right? When you have the like, this person, I have some orange flags about this person, but these other things are in place and like, we're good. So, I mean, to me, I in running my business now, I do the things that I sort of like teach and show other organizations to do, which is like to have, a, I mean, one of the main things is a very clearly articulated, very intentional, specific culture-based, sorry, behavior-based culture. Um, but I didn't when I started, right? Uh, I didn't, you know, when I first started hiring people and stuff, I was still doing mostly like a kind of a lot of skills training and emotional intelligence kind of training with teams. But this movement into like, how do you really establish culture uh, in, a, in a really effective way? Like that content, I wasn't doing yet. So the first like number of people that I hired, uh, you know, I had, I've always had great people. There's nobody that I've hired that I'm like, oh man, this person was terrible, but I've definitely hired people that weren't a great fit. And I would have found out sooner and had less struggle and, and wasted time and energy in the process if I had some of the things in place that I have now as the result from what I've learned. Yeah. I'm sorry. When you say not a great fit, I just want to make sure we get full clarity because I want to go down this rabbit hole pretty deep. Yeah, let's do what it. Do you actually mean oper true operationally or emotionally? Because sometimes when you're not a great fit, you're not a great fit. And this is something CEOs of small companies don't want to raise their hand and say. Sometimes you bring in someone that is, and, and I'll be on the record here, when I was talking about color here, sometimes you bring in someone that completely is too diverse. Like they just, like sometimes the state of the org you're really head down. You need someone to just get in and get shit done kind of along the same way that everyone else is getting it done. But we'll yeah. go down that rabbit hole later. When you say not a great fit, what do you actually mean operationally? Yeah, right let's there. talk about that. I'll get real specific with you. So, um, and this is critical in a small business because we're a small team. We have, there's four of us total. So I'm like the dynamics, the personalities, the communication types and working styles of those people have to be congruent, right? You're not talking about a thousand people where like, you know, there's, 
there's just less room for, oh man, I don't want to say some problematic shit that people think I'm like, don't, you know, hire a bunch of mini U's and like, don't be diverse. But I'll give you a very specific, concrete example. Yeah. Every person that I hire, um, I have them do the Myers-Briggs, I have them do the DISC test. I know some people hate the idea of having people do a personality test, but like, I love those two things because it covers a lot of ground. One's a personality test, uh, right? The the Myers-Briggs and DISC is more of a sort of uh, behavioral test, right? And yeah. so- I know myself and part of being a small business owner is like, you have to know what you jive and what works with you and what doesn't. And I hired somebody who, um, you know, in their disc test and uh, they were, they were a high D uh, and they were a low S. And so for people not familiar with that, so like high D is like very independent, very driven, very results oriented, but also can be very bullheaded, can be very stubborn. doesn't necessarily work well with others. It's just like, right. They're like dog with a bone, sort of like very focused and, and not very flexible a lot of times. Right. Those are the sort of like downsides of, of somebody who's very high D low S means more emotionally volatile. So more willing to um, just, just more emotionally volatile. You know what that means. And so that is a profile that does not fucking work with me, right? Uh, and I'm like a middle of the road. I'm like a 50D and a 50S, but I'm like a 99I. And so to me, I can't work with somebody who is emotionally volatile. I can't work with somebody who takes things personally, who, right? Like, and I'm not saying people don't have the ability to feel anything they feel or have emotions, but like emotional intelligence, being in control of your emotional behavior, that's super important to me. And like, I need to have that peace and calm because I'm very sensitive to those types of things. And somebody who is a high D or very domineering, very like stubborn and bullheaded, like I am an incredibly collaborative person. I'm like, let's, let's drag it out. Let's talk about stuff. Um, right. But when a decision is made, we're all on board. So somebody who will hold resentment or like, there's just certain elements of somebody who is, can be very bullheaded and also emotionally volatile. That is the complete opposite of like anyone I can fucking jive with. Right. Uh, on a, on a, because business is about relationships. Teams are about relationships. And it's like, how do we jive? How do we communicate well? And so and, and I knew Galen, that. And yeah. Galen, you say you can't work with them. Is it because, and this is okay to be vulnerable about this. Is it because based off of who you are, how you work, based off of your Myers-Briggs and what you just outlined, you don't have the energy, the ability, the desire to go down the change management rabbit holes that you would have to go down to communicate and change the behavior of that person? You don't have any desire to go down that route. Yeah, I, I'm not a I'm not a counselor, uh, right? Like somebody yeah, who is somebody who is incredibly emotionally volatile and is not in control of their emotional behavior um, is something that like I just can't. Ha That's a boundary for me, right? And I think about that in terms of accountability and personality types and ground rules of of working together on a team is like this is something that can't exist here. You have the right to feel any way that you want but you don't treat other people how you feel, right? Like we don't raise voices, we, right? We are in conflict. This is how we show up and treat each other. And so they're just things that I'm like, that doesn't jive with me. It rubs me the wrong way, uh, right? It's like, I can't instill in somebody else to not take things personally. I can't like change who you fundamentally are as an organ, as a, as a person, like maybe over time, but it's like, as a business, like hire the right personalities, hire the right people um, that you right that you drive with. You can teach someone to do anything that you want, but like her uh, combination of personality and 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 behaviors was just something that doesn't jive with me. I'm a sensitive motherfucker, man. I'm sensitive. I'm empathetic. I. I don't mind conflict as long as we can have conflict and say, hey, what's going on for you? Let's talk about this. Let's get to the heart of this. Like, let's explore what's happening here. Let's find a resolution. And I can't, you know, if I'm in a situation where somebody is too bullheaded, they're too stubborn, they won't be vulnerable, they're emotionally volatile, then like we can't have effective sort of like 
conflict with that person, right? Or if something comes up and uh, it's just it's just too off for me and I'm I'm just too sensitive to it. It disrupts my whole fucking being. I'm like, man, when if you know, if you and I have conflict, we're going to sit down, we're going to sort it out, we're going to talk about it. I'm going to listen where are you coming from? What's the heart of this? Like, you know, let me share you my perspective. This is the experience I'm having. Like, I'm like we need to sort that stuff out. That's critical on teams. How well do you give and receive feedback? How well do you like navigate conflict well? And it was somebody who doesn't receive feedback well that cannot navigate conflict with any sort of like success. Um, I'm like, I just, I cannot jive with that. I don't have the time, I have the energy. It's just, it's, it's, it's too volatile for me. And so like, I, you know, I made a bad hiring decision, but also, I also think that at the time, I didn't have a lot of the things that I have in place that sort of protect and insulate against that kind of thing, right? Which is very clearly articulated culture, like a behavior-based sort of like, these are the ground rules of what it means to be here. Something that's reinforced, not just a like list of, of uh, values on the wall of trust, integrity, respect. I mean, like legitimately um, very clear and specific behaviors that say, these are the ground rules. This is like, this is the basis and benchmark for like you being totally successful here uh, as an employee in terms of how you show up and impact other people as well as how you do your job. Um, I didn't have those things in place, right, earlier on. And like, this is what I help companies establish right now, but I, I learned a lot of those best practices and tools and ways to do that effectively through me not having that in place and seeing like, here are the symptoms of this loosely understood, you know, the ground rules of how we show up together. So um, absolutely. And, and, you know, that person worked with me for a year. They weren't, it wasn't like miser misery and like terrible, um, but it, it, it was really difficult. And I learned a lot from that in terms of like, hmm, you know, making the hiring decisions, being very intentional about that, understanding myself more, uh, but also being able to set clear accountability expectations, right? In the beginning from day one, from like the second you're hiring and onboarding somebody, you can say, here are the ground rules of what it means to be here that, you know, that transcend you know, that like you can be any way that you are, be diverse, be all these things, but this is how we deal with feedback. This is how we deal with conflict. This is how we deal with, you know, some of the main major things that come up in as dynamics of people working together. Again, yeah. In what format do you do that? And because a um, little quick plug guys, sorry. And then Galen, keep going. You guys know I have the Beyond Brand Execution that does a lot of what he's talking about. That's a podcast audio chopped up format that just gets sent to applicants when they first hire, when they first apply to the company. Um, but besides that, there's other ways to create that communication. How do you, is this like something that's written? Is this a verbal conversation? Is this pre-recorded? Do they have it forever? Can they refer back to it? How do you, how do you push that communication forward? Yeah. I mean, uh, very clearly that we have something in my team that is the like shift. Yes. DNA code. And is the, uh, like, it is a single page document. It is the, like okay. the rules of engagement of what it means to be here. And it's not something that like I created, I show it to them and they're hired and I'm like, do these things. Like we literally every month, my team comes together and we read through that individually and we give each other kudos for very specific like behaviors and things that we observe from each other. And we also reflect out loud in front of each other of like, these are things that I think I'm crushing right now. These are things that are area of opportunity for me. So like we are constantly reinforcing those behaviors, those ground rules. And when I have maintenance conversations or check-in feedback conversations with my team, I go through that list and I'd be like, this is how you're showing up. So it's, it is literally, it's the anchor of everything that is performance and behavior sort of like, uh, you know, management and evaluation for every one of my employees. We talk about it all the time. It's reinforced. This is, you know, we're getting into like, this is how you actually build culture that's intentional that people understand that impacts the way people talk about, think about, you know, and like 
how they show up and, and impacts their behavior. So I have all of those things in place right now and it's incredibly amazing, um, but I didn't before. And like part of me understanding how to build those and, and how you create that on a team is through my own, just like learning and process of like, oh, let's put this into place. And um, so, yeah. Okay. Um, is there anything else that you can break down? Because that was a lot. How is, is there anything, anything you want to say to kind of cap it all off? Because there's a lot of nuances and rabbit holes there that I'm sure people can kind of pause, rewind, do the whole thing there. Because there was a lot there. Yeah. I mean, that it's, it's, that is the heart of like, of what I do. I mean, you know, this started off with talking about sort of accountability and, yep. and that kind of stuff, but it's like, people say, I like hold people accountable and this kind of stuff. And my question is always hold them accountable to what, when you ask people about what their culture is, a lot of times you can point to, you know, here's this list of corporate values. And like, I'll save you two days of an offsite retreat with your executive team where you come out after spending 48 hours in a room, you're gonna come out and say trust, integrity, respect, teamwork, fun, excellence. And like what organizations don't understand how to do is to translate that into actual behaviors and implement it at the team level on the ground level and actually have those things impact people's behavior as opposed to when we approach culture, when we approach behaviors and what's acceptable and setting expectations and accountability, there are these very loosely understood you know, uh, like high level concepts that mean something completely different to everyone in the organization. And we, and there's nothing in place to say, this is how we live this. This is how we, like how we measure this or even talk about it. Like it just, it's so loose and random, but it's, it's just the collective understanding of like, how do you approach culture in an organization? And like, people just have a list of values and mission statement and vision statement. And like, that's cool, but it's as incomplete as creating a marketing plan that is like, ah, well, we'll just advertise online. Um, and it's like, okay, cool. Right. But it's very incomplete. There's a deep level of like, how and what, what places, like what audiences, like when, what was the, the copy for that? Like, it just is very, uh, the way that we treat and understand culture and organizations is very like high level, loose and undefined, where if we treated sales or marketing or operations or anything else with that same amount of like, just loosey goosey kind of like not defined, well, we just like, you know, one conversation at a time, or here's these values and people will follow this. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's ridiculous. It's, it's so undefined. It's so unclear. Um, it'd be like having a sales director hiring somebody to like handle all of your sales director, you know, in your entire organization and be like, kind of tell us about your theory about sales. And they're like, well, you just, you know, you smile, shake people's hands and uh, you know, you just close deals and be like, okay, cool. But like, how do you, like, what is the deep level of psychology and understanding and process behind that that makes that actually effective? And um, if they said, I don't really know, you'd be like, we don't want to hire you, but that's how most organizations are with culture. It's like, well, I don't know. <laughs> let me, let me I, ask said you a I said too much, but no, no, no. You said, a, you said a ton here. Um, that's good. Let, let me ask you this. Cause you know, a lot of the audience that listens to this are, are startups that are growing quickly. Um, and that are making a lot of change. Something I've pushed a lot of my content out recently around is the following being able to, as a founder of a company or a leader of the company, being able to change on a dime and communicate the change that's going in your head on a dime connected to the business, uh, the state of the organization externally. So let me explain what, what I'm talking about because that probably didn't come out correctly. There are times within a small business or a startup where you guys are, and here are a couple of examples. You're going through a merger, you're going through an acquisition, you're rolling out a new product, you're rolling out a new service, you, um, 
you're making a lot of changes to your policies internally. Um, there may be a lot of things happening at the C-suite level around high level, sticky, cumbersome strategic initiatives that they're just trying to really think through. The state of the org at the emotional levels, when I'm talking about a CFO, a COO, the executives, the managers, how those folks think about what's happening with the company and the goals of the company, those things change throughout the year. So do you think your expectations and the way that you are as an organization also changes throughout the year based off of the emotions, the goals, the outcomes, the state of the org around the things I just mentioned? Again, it can be a merger or it can be a rolling out of a new product. It can be, hey, we're super head down right now trying to get this new thing out to the world. So in this moment, we may not be as open to innovation or new ideas as we as we once were. In this moment, we may not be open to as many as many diverse perspectives, or we may not be great with our communication and empathy right now. And here's the reasons of why. Do you think it's a good idea? I guess what I'm really trying to say for executives that are also humans now, not robots, to be super transparent about potential flaws that could potentially show up in their communication styles, in the quote-unquote culture, employee experience, lovely butterfly feelings based off of just the state, right? Like we're stressed out. We're going through changes right now. Shit's a little fucked up. Pardon me if some things are a little bit different right now. Do you think that should be communicated? And do you think culture changes and ebbs and flows with the realities of the org on the other side of things? Again, products, mergers, new, new marketing initiatives, head down on certain things. Again, did any of that make sense? Because I think a lot of that happens within startup culture that uh, I don't think enough people talk about. Yeah, it's a really, really deep dive. So an interesting question. I have a lot of thoughts, uh, uh, sort of like question to put back at you and my sort of philosophy around this. So what you're saying is absolutely true. Yes, the dynamics, the like where we are as an organization may affect how you know, how much we're willing to sort of like switch directions or like take on a change. Here's my question to you that I think is like the foundational is what do people understand about what is expected of them or in not, not necessarily just like expected of them, but like in terms of defining the ground rules of what it means to be part of the organization that you're talking about, what are our mindsets and behaviors towards change? What are they? Could you ask everyone that? And would they all say even a similar thing? I hope so. But I don't think you, I, this is what's missing in organizations um, is, the, is the clarity to articulate how we as an organization deal with this shit. And if like, like, right, let's say part of our culture that we understood, part of like the DNA of our culture that everybody understands in hiring, onboarding from day one, we reinforce this, da, da, is that like we have open and receptive mindsets around change. We see change as an opportunity to grow, not as a threat. Um, and in, you know, when we're dealing with changes or people like disagree with the change, this is, you know, uh, we, we open pushback to change, right? And we'll always like hear people out and listen. Um, but also we expect of everybody that like when a decision is made, uh, right. There's an opportunity to debate. There's an opportunity to ask questions. But when a decision is made, we disagree and commit. If you don't like the de decision, it is still your responsibility as part of this organization to get your oars in the water and fucking grow. And like, if some of those were the ground rules of mindsets and how we behave around change that were that were like 
understood universally. And like, this is how we approach change. And it was that clear and specific to like, those, these are the details around like, this is how we approach change. Then you don't have this like loosey goosey understanding. And I feel like, um, I, I don't know how much that like resonates or makes sense to me, but if you, if you just had one single commandment in the organization to be like, this is what it means to be part of being here. And it's around change. And it's that like, we have open receptive mindsets to change. Um, and we're always willing to say, this thing, is this the best way? If we were starting this organization today, is this the way that we would do this? Um, right? As opposed to saying, well, this is the way we've always done it, but we're always willing to put anything on the table. Nothing is too precious to put on the table and ask, is this the best way? Is this how we would do this today if we start this organization right now? And if the answer to that question is no, then we pivot, right? And like, that's our mindset. That's how we approach change. And you, from the second you're being hired in the hiring process, you convey that to a candidate to be like, this is how we deal with change. This is how our mindsets are around change. Like then when, when a situation of change comes up, you're not like, well, this is how we deal with it. And it, it, it might be like a poor example, but I'm saying when you, when you define with fucking clarity, I mean, clarity, not just like an idea around it, but with very, very, very clear expectations in terms of mindsets and behavior around a specific topic. That's how you create a, a culture or mindsets or behavior around these topics that is very clear, that's consistent. Um, and like, it's, it's that, it's the same thing with conflict uh, or, or just any other dynamic or challenges around people um, that, that you can hold people accountable to something that we say, this is how we are. And it, and it requires leadership, the top level of leadership, the executive team or whatever to come together and say, what does conflict look like inside this fucking organization? Right? Not we respect each other, but like you don't talk shit about other people. If you have a problem with somebody else, you have a conflict with somebody else, you go right to the source and you solve it with them directly as soon as possible. Like, right, these ground rules of like, this is how we deal with this thing. And we never have to be like, well, some people will and some people won't because it's crystal clear. Um, does that make sense? I no, it, it, makes, it makes perfect sense. And this is what I also want to add on to that as well. And this is really where I was hoping to get to. And again, I'm sorry, Galen, I have to plug the Beyond Brand Execution again just to get it out there because it's something I believe in a lot. And it, it talks a lot about what you're doing here because a lot of the beyond brand execution extracts truth. So I wanna throw this at you. Something that I think you probably have seen Galen, jumping off of what you just said is the following. Unpack all of those things, explain those things. But here's the caveat here that I wanna get your take on. Unpack and explain the truth. This is what I mean. This is the hardest part, Galen, that a lot of people don't want to do. If, and I'm going to give you some real examples here. If you don't have a great answer or a great process around conflict resolution, if you don't have a great answer or a great strategy or a great process around how you, how you manage performance, or if you don't have any structures in place around coaching and feedback, or situational leadership, if you don't have a great structure around how you how you would judge and assess folks to give them opportunities to, to, to grow in their career or any of these things that you just mentioned. And I just mentioned, if you don't have a great answer around those things that, that, uh, that will create meaningful quote unquote culture in the sense of how we all feel, don't be afraid to expand and explain that truth. So here, follow with me here, Galen, yeah. because here's my issue with small businesses and startups. Here's my issue. They'll listen to folks like you, Galen. They'll listen to me. They'll listen to even some of the great content that 
uh, who were some great folks? Tristine Comerford and Keith Ferrazzi, and then we'll jump over to like the HR world. And um, uh, I, I'm blanking on a lot of names. Um, who's like a big person in the HR world that people may listen to uh, besides you, Galen? Like, who's a great influencer in this space? Who would you say? Um, somebody who a lot of people listen to a lot is like Adam Grant. He's there like you a go, huge, Adam Grant. Brand. Right, that's go. a perfect example. Folks, or or Brene Brown, right? Those sure. are some yep. of those elements. Um, a lot of the things that these folks do is they decide to spew out all of the things they hear from a Brene Brown or an Adam Grant or you, and if they listen to my my podcast and all these other things. And what they'll do, Galen, is the following: they'll spit that out in an interview, or they'll spit that out in their organization around this is how we go about things. And then when shit hits the road. When conflict actually occurs, when all those things you actually talked about occurs, their behaviors and their things com look completely different. And so I guess my questioning you and my, my, I guess my communication to the world is the following. If things are a little fucked up, pardon the F-bomb a few times, if things are not necessarily clear, if you don't have a quote-unquote best practice or process that would be respected by the LinkedIn blogging gods or anyone else that is, you know, a beautiful process around how you do X, Y, and Z. Don't be afraid to say that truth to incoming talent because once they get into the org and once they're a part of the teams, if they finally experience how you handle the conflict and how you handle other things, and it was completely different than what you spewed out during the interview process or doing any process of them finding out about the org. That's where the problem really lies, in my personal opinion. Um, I just wanted to add that little twist. Do you have any thoughts around that? Because I, I really think it's okay to just tell the truth. I'd rather know that as an applicant coming in so I can pick and choose if I'm willing to deal with that variable within the culture. Okay, so there's two different things going on here that I want to address. One, tell the truth, be honest, be transparent, 100 fucking percent. Yes, um, you should be able to be honest. This is where we are. This is where we're weak. This is where we're strong. Like this is something that exists. So like, yes, I think it's absolutely true and I agree with that. But to address the other side of that and like this is where you and I maybe hopefully disagree. Like let's let's debate this let's, and let's, let's talk about it. Let's go down it. What you're saying is like, I want to create a policy around conflict and be like, ah, oh, this is how we deal with conflict. But when the shit hits a fan, we may or may not do that, right? It may be like, well, emotions are too high or whatever. So like, we don't always follow this. And I'm like, then you don't have a culture. That's bullshit, right? Well, and like, hold, on, hold, on, hold on, let me, let me, let me, let me fix that just to see if we actually disagree. Okay, okay. I had more to say too, because I was like, I was going to get deeper to like qualify okay. what I'm saying by that. Go ahead, so. go ahead, go ahead, go ahead then, go ahead then. Okay, because that the way that you define culture and establish culture inside an organization is not just let's define these behaviors and say these are the behaviors here the other piece this like check the box has to be important that like if this is not in place then the work is meaningless it literally will have no impact and it is like this toothless calorie free thing that you're creating to like oh here's who we say that we are if okay. you don't if you don't answer the question as a leadership team, I'm talking top level leadership, the CEO, the founder, I don't care who you are, that says these ground rules, these behaviors that we've created, these sort of like we statements, right? Like we're open to feedback, we seek it out, mm -hmm. uh, we receive it with grace, we don't take shit personally, we, right? we don't view feedback as a personal attack, we see it as an opportunity to improve. If you don't say 
These are the ground rules. These are the, these are the things that make up our culture. And you're not willing to say there is absolutely zero exemptions inside the organization for this. I don't care if you are the founder and the CEO. I don't care if you've been here for 25 years. I don't care if you are a new employee on the, on the like front line that's worked here for three days. This applies to every single person. Our commitment level to this is 100%, not 99.8%. If anyone in the organization consistently will show up out of alignment with like these behaviors and this thing, like that your options are to get in line with these behaviors or be removed from the organization. Like, right. And I'm saying not from a place of like punitive or threatening people's jobs and punishing them and running around like a bunch of like prison wardens being evil. I'm just saying you also have to, if you want culture to be effective, you have to say our commitment level to this is a hundred percent and there are no exemptions. So if we write it down and we say, we, we say, yep, this is our culture. This is who we are. And you don't mean it a hundred percent. And you're not willing to remove someone from the organization or have hard conversations. The second you see something happen, no matter who it was, that's out of alignment with the culture you've created. If it doesn't get addressed, right. And it doesn't get corrected immediately, then it's like, you have to do that. That is an element that has to exist. And, and that I, means anyone can go to the CEO and be like, actually what you're doing right now, this conversation, whatever, this behavior is out of alignment with this culture. We need to, like, this needs to be addressed right now. That like, it, it has to be a hundred percent commitment. You have to be I, accountable you know, to it. Yeah. I a thousand percent agree with that point of view. So let's try to find this because maybe there's a silver lining that'll be helpful for folks who are listening. So, okay. we're, so what you just said, let's just, put that in a little mantle for a minute. That is beautiful. That is perfect. I, I agree with that the most. Where, where, where do you think the difference is around uh, the, the, the potential debate? Because here I think, here I think was what was I saying? What I was saying is, and, and remember, I was trying to add a caveat around folks coming into the org, right? So maybe not even folks that are in it, folks coming in, because that's also a big thing, right? You, folks coming into your org, you should be setting expectations and explaining in a communication format what the culture is right now and how that shows up operationally as well in reality. And so what I'm saying is don't go to an Adam Grant or Galen Emanuel or anyone else that has points of views around conflict or resolution or points of views around uh, around anything, right? Uh, you know, crisis management or career mapping or, or any of these things. Don't go to those folks that have these processes and these, these thoughts outlined and then just regurgitate in your, in your employer branding, in your interview, in those moments and say, this is how we act. And then when the, when the rubber actually hits the road, you, you renege and go back on that and you show them your true colors. I would much rather, and this is, and tell me this is where you found the disconnect. I would much rather if you do not have any processes or any decisions in those areas figured out yet, me being an applicant coming in, I would much rather know that. Like, let me know you don't have anything around how you handle conflict right now. Like, let me know that. Let me know that when conflict hits the road at the moment, you don't have a process to go to. Just tell me what I'm getting into. Yeah. Is that, uh, do you see, are we saying this, uh, are we, where are we different here? No, we're totally aligned on that. I think be honest and transparent. And again, uh, you know, it, it would be a wonderful world if those are the kinds of questions that applicants were asking. Um, right. I think people need to ask better questions in interviews to understand like, what is your culture? How do you guys deal with conflict? Da, 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 do you what do you have in place? But yeah, I a hundred percent am aligned in agreement with you. If you don't have these things in place, be honest with people, let them know these are the areas of opportunity. This is sort of like um, the things that 
that we are working on and yeah. and and uh, and have struggled with. But I also don't think like just because you're telling people that isn't an excuse not to be working on it. I think like a thousand percent. If you can say that to someone like, well, we don't really have uh, you know any ground rules around how we deal with culture or, or how we deal with conflict here or feedback here. To me, I'm like, if you're a business owner, figure that shit out right now. Like, yeah, you that'd be like having a marketing plan that is like, well, uh, just you can't leave it undefined and loose. Like, you want an exceptional culture, you want to impact people's behaviors. Figure that shit out. If you know you don't have any ground rules around culture, write them create them right now. Like, so I, yes, be honest, but don't just be like, well, well, this is something we're going to get to in the next like two or three years. It's like, I think this is the work that has to be done in organizations. We have to say, this is who we are. And the CEO is 10 times more accountable to this than anyone else, but it starts at the top. And it is, there are zero exemptions for this. This is how we show up. You want something that really will, people will hold themselves accountable to. It has to be that it has to be consistent. It has to be like, whatever you allow to take place as an organization in terms of behavior or performance, you endorse. You will, you will potentially admit though, Galen, I don't, I don't think there's a big uh, debate here, but I, I think there, here's a, would, would you admit or would you agree with this point of view that there are folks that listen to you, that listen to me, that listen to Adam Grant, whatever the case is, they go through your exercise, they go through the exercises I've put out to the world, Adam Grant's put out to the world, and then again, they, they don't show up to their own words that they put down. They don't show up to their own policy. They, and I know what you said, and that means they don't have a culture, and that means they did not follow through. And I and I agree with that. But I guess what I'm trying to bring to light is this shit is happening. Like mm-hmm. I know I've seen mm-hmm. it because this this stuff happens all the time. Companies all the time try to have these beautiful posters on the wall, or in your example, try to have these great policies outlined that has operational backing and behaviors connected to it. And then when shit hits the road they get real iffy and they, and they get real sometimesy with how they want to go about handling those things. Um, and so I guess that's what I was trying to say connected to the startup culture and small business culture, because I think based off the, based off the emotions and the realities of the company, right? Based off of if they're going through a merger, if they're going through an acquisition, if finances are really tough right now because COVID just completely ravished their organization, or if they're if they're going through rolling out new products, I have seen with my own eyes at times they had gone through great exercises that you have put not you personally have put them through, but folks that are like you that put them through, and they forget about those realities and they turn to other behaviors that are a little bit more convenient for the for the moment. I guess that's what I'm really saying as well. I agree with you. That happens out there all the time. And what I would say to that is that like, you don't, uh, I mean, to me, that means like, you're not going through it accurately. You're actually doing the work. And I think it's very hard to find guidance and advice on like, how do you really define culture? How do you keep it so that like what you're describing stops happening because that's the challenge is everybody has these sweet posters and they talk about trust integrity but like they don't know how to implement it they don't know how to bring that to life and and to me when i hear that it's like what you're describing is you have a sales department and the salespeople are like well we don't really follow up with leads we try to connect with them one time and we you know if we had a good conversation but like we don't follow up and we're too busy and to me i'm like at some point you have to decide as an organization or to be like that's unacceptable. The way we operate here is like this. So, you know, uh, yeah, I mean, you're just saying like, are there people that don't follow through with these things? Are they Like they don't actually do it right. And of course um, there's, you know, there's, there's leaders and managers who yell at people 
and, and insult them or embarrass people. And then they have integrity as one of their core values. Like, yeah, is there hypocrisy and bullshit out there? You bet, but you want to do it right. There's a way to do it. And it goes way beyond just defining what the behaviors are, right? It's that level of commitment. And then it's also the, how do you reinforce this? How do you make it so that they're, they're and I know it sounds too good to be true, but how do you make it an organization so that when things are, emotions are high or you da, 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 you do not abandon those things. And there is a way, there's a process for it. There's a way to actually implement and live these things and be committed to it and be accountable to it and, and implement it and incorporate it into the conversations of teams effectively. But I don't think you can find where and how to do that. When it comes to like, how do you do culture? Like throw that out, you show me 10 people have been in, in business for a long, 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 long time that can give a succinct answer and like that you could walk away from that conversation and exactly know how to step-by-step step and do it effectively. I don't think that conversation exists out there very much. Um, that's what I see anyways. And not because I think I'm the greatest thing in the world and I know everything in the world, but like I, I, it's, it's so incomplete in terms of how we approach culture. And what you're saying is like the ability for those things to just go out the window because of our circumstances I'm saying there is a way to insulate against that and actually do culture in a way that like, that's not a factor. Um, but I think that, you know, it's, you've talked about this before in your podcast, that is trying to describe a world that most people can't envision because it just doesn't exist yet. Yep. I'm telling you, it is possible. It is true. But how to do that, you show me someone that knows how to do that. I, I talked to a lot of people in business and HR and training and people for a long, long, long time. And for them to clearly articulate, this is how you go about doing that. Uh, I think it's real hard to have someone give you a real clear answer on that, um, right? We just, it devolves into Richard Branson kind of bullshit about like, oh, culture happens one conversation at a time and treat people how you want to be treated. And I'm like, nope, if you, if you talk that way about anything else that was strategic, that you prioritize in an organization, that there's deep psychology and processes and steps to, uh, that you, it is possible to have a deep knowledge of how to do it. Um, and culture is just, it's not in that space yet. This is like, my fucking life's work is to get people to understand there is a secret, there is a recipe, there is a way to do this in a way that's effective. Um, so that's my thought. But yeah, yeah, what you said does it exist where this these things people aren't held accountable, they're not committed to it, it goes out the window. A hundred percent, yes. And like I think that's ninety eight percent of organizations because because they don't have the internal capability that like they don't know how to do it in a way that insulates against those things. So that's my opinion. Soapbox rant. Uh, yeah, it does. And, and I think, yes, we should be honest with people as we're hiring them. Hey, like time efficiency, meeting deadlines, like these are the things that are, that we struggle with. Um, and I think being honest, transparent about those types of things uh, is really important. Right. Um, yeah. And, yeah. And to add to that, because I, how it shows up, how it shows up is it gives the applicant or anybody in the organization, it gives them an opportunity to truly know and understand if they're willing to deal with those type of uh, complications, confusions, frustrations, right? Because yep. everyone has a threshold. You know, I know for me, um, you know, I'm not even going to get into my, <laughs> I have a lot, but I, I, have, I, I have the ability to deal with a lot of shit and a lot of frustrations and a lot of confusions and a lot of chaos. Um, I know others do not. And I, so I think it's really important to, to explain those things. Um, can I, can I, can I, uh, can I put your feet to the fire for a second here? Yeah. Okay. Think about a company, the most established or like company or brand that you have and a team that you have in place. Okay. Do you have a culture in place for those people? 
what is the culture? What would they say is the culture? What do you say? This is our culture. Yeah, let's go through it right now. Um, I'm thinking thoughtfully, guys that are listening, because I know this work in and out. So I want to be honest with myself, because if I was not me, I'd probably bullshit and say yes immediately. So that's what mm -hmm. I'm thinking. Mm -hmm. um, Yes-ish, 60%. Tell me, tell me, and like, if you want to, I don't, I'm not trying to like make you look bad or call you out. I just, I think this is the real conversation that startups that people yep. don't have. And I like, I want to, I want to get into this uh, if you're willing to. So you say 60%-ish, tell me what you've got. What does Facilitate that look like? For me. Ask me a direct question because my brain, my, I, I, my brain, you know, I have ADD, so I'm thinking of 30,000 things. Give me, give me a direct facilitation question and I can answer that. Okay. Um, can we pinpoint what business or organization you're talking about? Or do you want to keep it a little bit more broad? Um, let's keep it broad. Cause okay. a lot of, okay. a lot of let's, yeah, let's keep it broad. Yep. Cool. Okay. So think of one team organization or whatever you have. Tell me yep. if I'm to ask you, what is the culture of this team? What do you have in place that sets the culture of this team? What is it? Ask me deeper. Give me an element of the culture and I can answer that. What are the expectations that on of the people on the team that they understand of how they're expected to show up? Of the company I'm thinking right now. Um, they're expected to be completely honest when it comes to giving me objective feedback around the decisions I make because I've set a I've set a structure and a framework that um, I'm the dumbest person in the room and I really want them to hold me and keep me honest and, and, and hold me accountable and, and bring the best ideas to the table. Um, they, uh, they, I'm going to give you two cause I don't want to go on these rants. They, um, they believe and they understand and they have the expectation that any new idea, they, they understand and have the expectation that any new idea that they want to bring across, I will trans, I will be transparent and letting them know if this is the time for new ideas to be brought up slash. I have a structure and a policy in place where I will let them know timing of new ideas. And I will let them know when those new ideas concepts or moments are closed off, meaning like the tunnel has closed and I'm head down and we're going to do this strategy. We're going to see it through. And that has stopped a lot of, um, a lot of, uh, diverse opinion issues. Um, because we were kind of dancing around a lot of shit at one point, tossing a lot of new ideas in one bucket and, and kind of getting stagnant with our feet. Um, so those are a couple. Okay. Uh, what would, um, so two kind of questions here. I'm curious, like when it comes to conflict, having static conflict on the team, like how do they understand how, do you guys have some ground rules around that? Like if you have conflict, two people met each other, whatever kind of thing, like how do you address that? And like, and what and yeah, we, that they would say, this is how we do that. I think, I think that what they, and I'm trying to be super honest. I think what they would say is, um, you don't bring it up ad hoc off the cuff. You think about it for 24 to 36 hours. You bake out really what it is. Second step, you ask for a personal one-on-one -on -one question. You never at all bring it up in front of the team. Uh, the third step they would probably follow is you outline 
in any form you want. It can be just on the spot from the from the hip. It can be in a in a in an email before the meeting, but you in the meeting before the meeting rather you set you set a standard where you let them know exactly what the conversation is going to be about, um, how you're feeling. And then I think the last thing is they just understand that the culture, the dynamic is we do not tolerate negative emotions when someone's pushing back around a point of view or around uh, a conflicting perspective, right? We don't, we, don't, we don't make folks feel dumb. We don't make folks feel less than. We don't do X, Y, and Z. We, we definitely have a situation where we, we give moments, we give people moments to expand on what they're feeling despite the the the, conf the conflicting point of view and i know i kind of bounced around there because i'm i'm trying to think accurately slash uh give you an answer in the moment so um those and, are some things that i know we, we do have a process around is that unspoken you think that people would intuit that and understand that's how they go it's about in, it it's in a google doc okay so that's like very clearly written out and articulated like everybody on your team would say that same thing they'd be like well yeah, I, they may, may not be able to recite it but like they're like this is where i could find that information yeah if they if they have a problem significant issue or maybe in a, and then that's another thing we have like we have examples of the types of issues and how to handle those issues yeah and how often does that like come up or talk about? Is that something that like you create when you onboard someone, you explain that be like, here's this document for reference. If these things come up, like how do you reinforce that with your team? We will be doing it moving forward. I did not do that in the situation I called you about. Uh-huh. Okay. Cool, I cool, should cool. have had, we didn't have it outlined then and we will moving forward. Um, cause I, I meaning to communicate it when they first come in. Now the example I called you about ad hoc she 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 was privy to it once she got in the company, mm -hmm. um, but I wish she would have been privy to it before she got into the company because I don't think what occurred would have occurred. Um, and I guess the what I'm trying to get at here as well is if you if somebody else took over for you uh, and like you stepped out of the company or or you like right someone yeah. else came in in your position is that what they would follow? Um, I mean, how, when was the last time you guys talked about that or, or like your team knows that they could find that somewhere, but it's not something you guys have as a regular basis. It's, is that right? Do we have a check-in weekly or bi-weekly or monthly around those things? No, we don't. Or just like, when was the last time you talked about that specifically? Yeah, that's a whole, that's With a any of them. Okay. Yeah. Totally cool. What about feedback? Giving, giving feedback, receiving feedback from coworkers, from anybody, same, same question. We have a, we have a policy that gets activated pretty often where we ask a very simple question. Are you in the mindset right now emotionally to receive feedback? Okay, great. And, um, and that pretty consistently. We actually check in on that pretty often because when you're a startup, a lot of new things are happening. And so we often refer back to, Hey, are you still in the mindset right now? Do you still have that, that, that gate open? for transparent feedback or are you a little bit emotional right now with, with this work that you just presented across and you want me to be a bit delicate. Okay. Got it. Um, uh, I like it. Um, Keep going. I know this is good. This is, this is real shit. This is good. I, I mean, what I want to understand is what is undefined? What, what is something that you think you understand because you comprehend it this way and people would sort of like behave a certain way if you're involved with it versus like what is unspoken what is like reinforced um to me I think that i'm yeah 
I think what's unspoken that needs to be reinforced, and frankly, I want to toss this back to you. I think I flex my E1B2 a little bit too much is the following. Um, I try to align, because you know the way I run my companies is a lot of it is partners. A lot of it is putting teams in place from day one through partnerships and giving equity and having structures of that nature, right? And then mm-hmm. we build on hourly and salary staff with within, under, right? And so I'm thinking of the company right now, there's like seven of us. The first three were like at that founder level and then others were baked in underneath in, in a certain framework. And so I think where I struggle that's unspoken is trying to trying to play the balance of the speed in which we grow, this the veracity of which we put things out and, and, and the efforts we all take towards the goal that I have in my mind and balancing that with the goal that they may have individually as well as the output that they may have individually from a capacity standpoint. And so what I would love your feedback on connected to that is I live heavily into the E1 method, meaning I can only go as fast as my employees that I currently have or the employees that I can find. That's just frank. Yep. That's a fact. Like me being a CEO, I can move, I can have a mindset where I want to move a thousand miles a minute. If I don't have the people right now in my org that can move at that speed, then I need to slow down to them or find the ones that can move at that speed. Um, so I often, I often struggle with that because I think that that's where the unspoken thing is where I'm often trying to figure out if there's a, if there's a, a nice blend around how quickly I want to move conducive to how quickly they want to move. And I, again, I live into their, I live into their realities contextually a little too much, probably with the whole family dynamic, emotional bandwidth and all those other things. Mm -hmm. Um, and so would you say that's, I mean, and I guess like that might be the answer or like question that I have for you is like, what do you think is the biggest, uh, like area of opportunity or weakness or things that you struggle with the most? Is it that in terms of like um, how this team operates, people's behaviors or mindsets? Telling people they're not good enough in a um, empathetic, direct, transparent way, meaning the way that I build my companies is I don't build them the way that a lot of people do. I don't, I'm not, uh, I, I don't build them where it's me with a thesis and then I raise funds and then hire a bunch of doers. I start companies with partners from day one, meaning um, everyone needs to play at a high level at all times in their own domain. So I put, I put, quote unquote executives and like the highest level folks in their domains from day one. And I expect you to play at that level because I know that I'm playing at my highest level in my domain. And, and I try my hardest to create the role to be contextual only to where you're going to play at your A. And if I see you dip into a B or a C, I struggle with that feedback and letting you know you're dropping off to a B or a C and I really need you to be at an A um, because I purposely made the partnership thinking you were going to be an A because the struggle, as you probably know, when you go the other way, either raising funds or taking funds that you've curated through your company and then allocating them towards staff, salaried employees, hourly employees, the, the, the level of that employee, you have to kind of do a wait and see moment. 
yes, you can go back and do references and, and look at their prior work, but at the end of the day, there's a different level of complexities there versus bringing in people, giving them equity. They have, they have already proven that they're great at that thing. And then you're having them come over and do the exact same thing just under your umbrella, but it's not their thing. So I don't know, I'm ranting now, but I've struggled with that feedback, being transparent around the drop off of productivity, the drop off of emotional engagement and bandwidth and just objectively letting them know what the company needs, not AJ, what the company needs. Right. So I guess part of my question there is the things that I am hearing from you maybe is like biggest area of opportunity or things that you struggle with is um, change fatigue or people's willingness to pivot quickly. Um, do you feel like there's drag in that space where you're like, we're switching gears, we're doing this thing where people are like, they're slow to come along with you because you're pivoting too fast. And then there's sort of like pushback or resentment or we wasted all our time on this thing. And now there's like a lack, right? They're coming into this next direction at 80% because they were at a hundred, but now we've lost some momentum in the change. Like, is that, is that accurate? Talking about like just the pivoting and moving at speed? Possibly. Maybe. Okay. Yeah, and, and then another piece being like the, like the struggle with that feedback. Um, that's like, because you've had people receive it poorly or you feel personally like I, those conversations are harder for me to have and be really direct because I don't want to hurt people's it's, feelings. Like, can you tell me more about what, the, where that is? It's harder for me to have, and this is a tip to everyone listening because, because, and I know this is a weird statement, but Galen, you probably will understand this. There's a different dynamic that is unspoken that should be spoken that comes along when you make a part. So I'll be very transparent. And you know this about me. The way I start companies is I go, like, for example, when I started Project 2030, I needed to create a learning and development curriculum. I went and found someone with 25 years of experience that does that exact thing in our own consulting company and gave her equity to come onto my thing. We then needed, um, we then need someone to do social media and marketing and branding and communications. Instead of finding, finding someone that does those things and paying them out of pocket, I go and find a partnership with someone that has their own small independent marketing agency that has the, the ability to do those things. I bring in partners versus hire people out of pocket. And so when I do that, I struggle being transparent with them because I feel like if I was paying them out of pocket as in a salaried employee, the dynamic will be a little bit different than it is now. Does that it's make sense? Easier, it's, yeah, it's easier for you in terms of like, you know, leveraging the sort of like an authority level to hold somebody accountable to a certain That's level of performance or whatever, right? Yeah, it's, it's, an, it's a natural human being neuroscience thing that I've been trying to unpack and play with for, for right. years now. So don't you think that it would help you going into those conversations and situations like, yep, giving you equity, bringing you into this thing, but here are the ground rules of what's expected of you fucking clear. So I just uh, like, as an example, right? Like, so yeah. I, I take a look at my shift DNA code for my employees, right? Day one in the hiring process. This is what we talk about all the time, but like the first, so my sort of like five, like tenants of us for our culture that's sort of like defined is like be exceptional, lighten up, own your shit, ever forward, blood type grit. Those are the five like tenants and under each one of those things is like a description of what does that mean to us, right? So be exceptional, this sort of like subline for that is like fiercely committed to high quality work, productivity and being elite players doing next level shit. 
And then the paragraph of like the description of what does that mean to be exceptional here is like, we're a team of A players, no spots on the roster for B players. As individuals, as a company, being good enough is not good enough. We're highly productive, earnestly give our best at all times. We take great care and pride in our work. We're meticulous about tiny details while never losing sight of the big picture, right? Mistakes are inevitable. Apathy is unacceptable. We push ourselves and each other to perpetually step up our game and produce next level work. So when I'm evaluating my employees in terms of their performance, right? Like these are the ground rules that I say, it doesn't like it doesn't matter how long you've been here. Like this is us. I'm accountable to this. So are you. Do you think it would be easier if you're bringing somebody into the fold, if you already have something that's very clearly articulated to be like, this is going to be what like success looks like. This is a 10 out of 10 for bringing you into this team. These are the ground rules of this thing. Um, like, do you think that there would be value to that in these conversations? Because now if you have to go to someone and say, hold them accountable, you're not up to snuff, you're not doing it. It's subjective. You're saying you're not being productive enough. You're not working hard at whatever, but it's, it's subjective to your opinion, right? The, the answer is yes. And it's weird. And so this is another thing. Um, I'm, I'm an entrepreneur's entrepreneur. So every single company that I'm running has come from my own curious slash lack thereof slash insecurity or issue. So don't you know when they say solve, you know, scratch your own back and solve a problem. So that is where beyond brand came from, right? That is where beyond resume came from. I was realizing there was a gap in my own capabilities of doing a lot of what you said. And so creating that communications and those standards and those expectations and getting them not only in written form, but getting them in audio form where they can hear directly from my voice and they can hear a lot of examples and rabbit holes and nuances that I'm using that to solve that those problems. So I did that for me and then I'm obviously rolling it out for others. But so yes, I'm now getting better at that. Um, but even then, but even then, one thing I will say, which is my weakness and I'm getting better at it is even when I have my beyond brand moment, even when I have a lot of the expectations inside of a Google doc, even when we are having meetings to hold us accountable to those standards, when the moments come up, I am so great. This is the issue that I have, Gail. I'm so grateful. And again, it goes too much into the E1 thing. I am so grateful, AKA putting employees first, that any human being would take one moment of their life to work on something that I'm working on. I go so deep into their world and their context and their speed that I often forget about the objective speed that me being the visionary and the founder of this company where that needs to go. And I, and I often play with that because I believe there's a lot of good to do the E1 thing. There's sometimes bad with it. And this is some of it. And I think that struggle, that sort of like um, that tension there is how do you, you know, really uh, focus on people, honor people, celebrate people, be grateful for people and thankful for people, but also hold them to a high fucking bar and standard that says like, this is what this is what we're committed to. This is, we are hundred percent committed to this. So anything that falls below this level is something I am going to hold your feet to the fire and address immediately because this is how we show up, right? Around our productivity, our attention to details, whatever it is, right? Whatever things that you are feeling challenged with. But from day one, the second you bring them on, yes, this equity and we need you in this organization, but you need to understand these are the ground rules. Like this is how your performance here, this is how, right? This is what 
we coming together as a partner to be part of this organization, our commitment level to these behaviors and these mindsets is 100%. Like nothing will take place here and be allowed to take place here that is below this high bar because then it's less personal, right? Um, I think, I think that this is what's missing from startups and people putting together teams and organizations that we never have these really specific conversations. People come in and then when somebody's performance or their behavior is sort of slipping, then we address it. But it's now this subjective, I don't think you're performing right, or this behavior is kind of out of alignment with who we want to be. And it becomes a lot dicier as opposed to something that's so fucking clear from day one, right? Like we, uh, right, we take ownership of the tone of voice, like our choice of words, right? Like condescending or like passive aggressive sort of communication or behavior is absolutely not accepted here. And the first time or any time that any of that happens, we immediately pull somebody on the carpet and say, hold on, time out. Like we need to talk about this right now. This doesn't fly here. Um, because it, the clearer that it is from day one, immediately, the less you have to put out fires and deal with this kind of bullshit. And I think this is what a lot of starters, found ups, like waste their time, even very well-established Fortune 500 companies, they're wasting time putting out these fires because they don't have something clear that says this without interpretation are absolutely the ground rules of what it takes to be here. And we're 100% committed to this, um, right? Like, let me, let me ask you this though, Galen, because I'm enjoying yeah. it. Let me, let me ask you this as like a, an ending part of it potentially or or keep putting my feet to the fire either or um let me ask you this so i i hear you and i agree with that but then but then there's a but then there's a a, a flip to it a little bit meaning um meaning i do think as an organization this is my issue galen at times and i would love to know your point of view on this i sometimes feel founder ceos we play that we play that power game a little too much so here's where the e1 comes in Yes, this is how we do things. We do X, Y, and Z. But let's just call it what it is, Galen. When we say that, it's us coming up with that out of thin air. And when I say thin air, I mean, egotistically, this is me coming. Like when I, when, when we start these companies, is this is how we contextual to my comfortability, frankly. Yeah. Yeah. Right? I mean, let's just call it objectively what it is. And I've always struggled with that. And so what I've decided to do with a lot of the beyond resume work and what I've tried to do to react to that is saying, okay, as it stands right now, this is how we go about career mapping or this is how we go about, you know, ex- you know, uh, the expectations or the communications you can expect from your direct report and your manager. But I would love to know, bringing you into the organization, walk me through what you need as an employee, as an applicant, as anyone, what do you need? What are you looking for when it comes to career mapping? What do you need? What are you looking for when it comes to the expectations and the communications of your direct report? And so here's what I'm really asking and what I'm trying to figure out for my own self and then for the companies that I'm working with is, yes, have your standard, have your process, have your perspective around how you do things. But I'll be very straight up with you, Galen. I'm open and I'm willing to change them a bit, contextual to the person coming in and meeting them where they are. Because here's the problem, Galen. I don't think enough of us, when I say us, I mean me, you, other CEOs. I think we do this we, this is how we've done things, and we keep it in place for five years. When are we ever going to change and try to meet the employees that are coming into the org where they are? Because just because this is how we decide to do things at this moment, where I struggle is, 
Well, isn't there like a rock star employee that may come into the organization that may want a different style or format of workflow or may or want a different style of communication that is not so drastic that we can make the adjustment for them? I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Um, and it's and it's probably, and hear me out here, it's probably, and this is a big thing, and I know you're a sports guy too, it's probably because I come from the sports world and because this happens a lot in teams. Let's just call it what it fucking is. LeBron James' communication and direct re- with his direct report, a.k.a. the coach, is a lot different than, uh, shit, I'm trying to think. I don't even know anybody else in the Lakers. Uh, uh, LeBron James and AD's communication is a lot better than, uh, is Ray Jar Rondo even still there? Uh, or, or with Ray Jar, you know, with, you know, it's a lot different there. You know, so the, the star player on any sports team's communications and the, you know whatever the case is going to be is way different and the standards and the expectations though they shouldn't be different at times are different than someone else on the team and so i don't i gave that example of this because i do not think it is out of the it is out of the possibility for us as leaders to change and adjust contextual to the talent that's coming in as long as it doesn't break the core standards and values that we have decided to put in place originally, though I do think we should live into them a little bit and meet them when they are. So I do deal with that complexity often. Yep, and I I agree with you um, because I think what you're talking about is situational leadership, right? And situational exactly. communication where I have an employee who is an introvert, they don't wanna be on video calls all the time. I'm not creating a company culture, sort of like the ground rules and the cultural DNA of my organization saying, you need to be extroverted. You need to like stand up in front of people and talk. You need to wanna be on a video call. Right, which I think like you're getting way, like this is when we talk about creating culture or like like a cultural DNA code of behaviors, I'm not talking about processes. I'm talking about mindsets and behaviors. So like, um, right. Like this transcends, this transcends your, I want a completely very diverse set of people to work for me on my team. That makes my team strong introverts, extroverts, um, right. Of, of different lived experience, different backgrounds, different like skill sets, different mindsets, different like neurodiversity. I want all of those things, but inside that, right. Where somebody might be, uh, a really great contributor or something, like you said, this rock star person that comes in, I don't care how good you are at anything. One of the ground rules of our culture is that uh, like we make other people feel listened to and we look for ways to say yes whenever possible. I don't give a fuck who you are. I don't care how much of a rock star. That will never not apply to you. A thousand percent. Right. And like, that's what I'm talking about. When we say these ground rules of like cultural behavior and mindsets, these are, these are transcendent. This is not like, oh, well, but I'm an introvert. I'm like all of the things we're talking about here. We're open to feedback and we receive it with grace. We don't see feedback as a personal attack. We see it as an opportunity to improve. Like, I don't care who you are. That is a ground rule of being part of this organization. Right. And like, this is something that we will yeah. reinforce. Like, and, and so with what you're saying, this like situational leadership or whatever, a hundred percent, but if you, you have to create something, you say, this is consistent. It's transcendent, regardless of your function, your personality type, your communication style. Okay. This is how we deal with like conflict here, right? We come in asking, being curious, making the other person feel listened to and, and look, getting to the heart of the matter and finding collaboratively, like mutually beneficial resolutions. Okay. That's how we deal with conflict here. And I don't care who you are, how good you are. That is the only way, right? That's how we are here. And so it's, it's not a policy handbook about... Um, you know, we're, we're going to like 
I'm not going to allow anything outside of this. But to your question of, is this inflexible? Do we ever visit this? We're like handing this down to employees. And I think there's a nuance. There's a, there's a lightness here about creating this kind of cultural DNA code. And that it's like the accountability that we're holding people to, again, it's about commitment. It's not about punishing. It's not about threatening people's jobs. It's not this low frequency, do these things or you're fired. It's this applies to everyone, me 10 times more than anyone else on the team. And with my team, right, we visit this once a year. We go through the, 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 our sort of DNA code that we revisit every month and talk about. My performance evaluations are with these, but I pull my team together to say, let's take a look at this. Let's evaluate this. Does this still mean what we wanted it to mean? Do, do we want to add anything? Are we missing anything, right? And like we've made changes over the years of stuff where I'm like, mm, this isn't included, but it's really important to me. Or uh, these things are no longer relevant. We could change this sentence to say this. So it's, I see it as a fluid growing thing and yeah. the input from my team is valuable. I'm not like, it, there's a way to do this that where you're not like this dictator, hold like threatening people's jobs and yelling at them, do this thing or you're out of this organization. I'm saying, this is how we show up together. Our commitment level to this is 100%. This is what you will be rewarded, recognized, promoted for, acknowledged for. Um, they're also the same things that like would cause someone to be removed from the organization because this is no bones, not negotiable. This is how we show up together. And they're positive, right? It's like, we don't see feedback as a personal attack. It's an opportunity to like build better relationships and improve personally. Like those things are important to me. And I'm instilling that it's like, they're positive, uplifting things that make it a better environment for everyone. So it's not about being punitive, a dictator, uh, threatening people. It's just saying, hey, this is like, these are the rules of engagement of what it means to be part of this team. And I think it's healthy. It's great. We have conversations. I don't expect perfection from my team, but when I see something happening from any of them that is in this area that like where something's out of alignment, they're right. They're not in control of their emotional behavior or uh, right. One of us is like, we're transparent, drama-free, allergic to excuses. We own our own mistakes. If I see somebody on my team, not embodying that or right behaving out of alignment with that, I will go to them directly and say, Hey, this, this is kind of out of alignment with our sort of like own your shit thing. So like, let's talk about this. What's going on for you? How can I support you? But like, we need to address this. And like that reinforcement, that consistency, it's not negative. It's, it's positive. It's uplifting, but it's like, these are the ground rules. And you know, from day one, this is how all of us show up together as a team. Um, so, uh, you know, I think, I think there's nuance. I think there's lightness to this. You can hear it and think it's some sort of like very, uh, you know, strict, inflexible dictator kind of thing, but it's like, no. man, this is how we treat each other. And it's positive, man. It's good. We're right. We, we embrace the risk of failure. We don't shy away from a challenge. Like th these are mindsets and behaviors that I want to instill in my people. So um, that's what I'll say about that. I, there's a lot to dive into here and I appreciate the conversation, but yeah. I think this conversation is what is missing when we talk about having a startup, forming a team, having equity, having partners is that these types of conversations on this level never happen. And the result the symptom of that down the line is inconsistency, lack of accountability. You know, uh, we're relying on the the capacity or quality of any individual leader of any individual store or team to have a great culture and a bad culture because we don't have something that's universal that says this is what it means to be part of this team and everybody's held accountable to this without exemption and we reinforce it. Hey, Galen, yeah, go. I was going to say, let me let me just ask you because I'm looking at the time here. Yeah, gonna, I know. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, not not my personal time. The zoom, the zoomer, the zoom is giving me that timer. Uh, yeah. uh, let me let me ask you one last question here. Yeah, dude, this, this has been if 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 there's never been an episode that's been recorded that 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 went into like depth 
and like real practical situations and executions and best practices, uh, this is definitely it. I, I know you've done a ton of podcasts. I know I have. There's been very few that I've gone on these deep rabbit holes. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I don't know what you're going to do with this, but you should clip this audio, all the great moments you've had, and you should do some shit with that and put that out to the world. Because you, you did it, I did it. The combination of us took you in a lot of different areas that I don't think, um, to your point, uh, a lot of people even talk about. And then in, a, in an audio podcast format, as you know, there's so many like standard episodes where people just kind of do the normal traditional best practice shit and are not vulnerable. Don't get into real, real examples. Um, my last question and then uh, last comment really question. Let's both kind of keep it somewhat brief and then we'll wrap this up. Um, everything we talked about today, everything we're talking about, I want to get your real honest feedback on this. Everyone has a different point of view around it. I'm very strong around my point of view around it. And I feel like more folks in the startup small business world primarily need to feel about feel the same way, hopefully about this. When we look at the head of people role, Galen, I'm just going to give the world a secret that they probably already know, but I think it's a secret because it gets hidden. If you go to LinkedIn right now, you type in head of people and you look at the job description, it's a lie. Hear me out. Everything we talked about, in my personal opinion, yes, the CEO should be the visionary of these things. But at the end of the day, in my personal opinion, the head of people is the one that thinks about, that researches these things, that knows all of these things at depth. They understand emotions. They understand empathy. They understand how to strategically apply empathy. They understand situational leadership. They understand human behavior. They understand psychology, DE&I, how to, how to create best community. They understand all of the emotional variable psychology elements that we just talked about and we dove into, and then how to break those down into clear processes that actually impact the org and the managers. And so they should be holding leaders accountable around these things. They should be setting the standard and the framework and the CEO should be getting behind them, cheering them on and having their back at all times. Not what the actual role is, which at the startup and small business level, as you probably know, it typically tends to be a talent acquisition partner, a policy and compliance and legal type person, someone that does very remedial, traditional kind of onboarding processes and a slew of other responsibilities that are very standard, that are very basic, and they don't have any power and any equity to do the things that we talked about. And mm -hmm. let me throw this in here as well, Galen. I know a lot of these people, a lot of these people don't even have trainings and thoughts and perspectives and skill sets around any of the shit we just talked about today. They have been going through the ranks, through the university in their, their, their 20s and mid-20s and late-20s being these town acquisition, these recruiting, these other folks learning these tiny micro black and white skills and completely ignoring for the first 10 years of their career all the shit we talk about. So that's why, my great friend, I personally believe this is happening a lot at the startup level because the CEO has no idea what the fuck we're talking about right now, Galen. The heads of people that are in place that are supposed to be doing these things are not doing these things because they don't have the decision-making bandwidth and power and responsibilities to do these things. And the managers, Galen, that are inside these companies are just great at the tactical executions of their role. They don't know what the hell we're talking about when it comes to these things. They are not applying it to these teams. So yep. the whole thing is fucked in my personal opinion. Um, I wanna get your thoughts on that because that's a real problem that I was attempting to solve with the Startup EX brand 
Um, we may still solve it now a little bit with this new merge and acquisition that we're going through. But that's my big issue because, I mean, and that's just super objective. You may have a different point of view on it, but I, I don't think you do because you're, I, I think you have a similar outlook. That's why we're such good friends because I just think that's what happens, man. I think that's what happens. I think it's the reality. And I think they don't give a shit. And I think they care about a lot of other things and then they scratch their head and they wonder why things are all screwed up at times. And then they call guys like us to come in and, cl- and clean up aisle six. That's what happens. Yeah. Here's, here's some of my thought about that. Um, I think the, the biggest thing that's, that's maybe missing from your description of those things, I think that's completely accurate, by the way. Um, here, let me put it this way. You're doing a startup. You're putting together a bunch of people. You got some funding, right? We're going like, to assemble this team. And you're like, cool, we need somebody to fill in our sales fucking who is in charge of sales. You're a director of sales. They're like the chief fucking sales officer, everything about sales. You can go and recruit and find people that have tens and twenties of years with startups and sales and how to bring stuff to market. Like you can find somebody highly fucking skilled. I mean, skilled skill in that department, right? No problem. Marketing, same thing. Culture is a world that doesn't exist. You can get a Harvard fucking MBA and never go through a course that is like, this is how to establish intentional culture inside an organization. The the skill gap is not out there. Mm-hmm. And what you know, you said when it comes to head of people is like they're thwarted because they don't have the decision making capability. Da, da, da. I would argue they don't have the fucking knowledge because these yes. conversations aren't happening. There is a skill gap. What in what education, what career path can you ever receive the education of how to do this effectively and intentionally? And so it is like by the time I'm done on this fucking earth. I want to rid the world of this feeling that comp, that like culture is this complex, elusive thing and da, da, da. It's like, no, like it is complex, but sales is complex. It is a skill. And I think culture is a legitimate, I think it's a fucking skill set. And I think that we can start getting people to understand how do you do this and understand it on a comprehensive, deep understanding, not just... Like right now, it's a mission statement, a vision statement, and a list of values like trust, integrity, and respect. And like, that's as far as it goes. And I'm saying, take it to the point where you can actually teach people how to do this and they understand it. That is a, it's a skill that is missing in the world. And while organizations are waking up to the value, the importance of culture, the impact of that on, on team performance, on engagement, on retention, on like bottom line, effectiveness of organization, like employee experience, all of these things is a culture is the hub of that, but it's something that we don't understand. It's like, what's at the bottom of the ocean. It's like this whole world of something that like people just don't have a lot of deep knowledge or skill set in. And so I think that is the missing piece. There isn't organizations and i might sound incredibly arrogant like i think i know everything in the world i I promise you i'm learning all the time it's not the case i'm always learning from my team and and what i what we do with culture from having tons and tons of conversations with teams that i'm walking through this process always refining improving and growing but this is what's missing and i i feel like it will keep me employed and busy for a very long time because organizations that have been in business for a long long time you can recruit hr people or head of people from anywhere you want and like this is not widespread and widely known and like i think that that's the biggest gap imagine if every organization in the world just couldn't find anyone that understood on a deep 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 tactical level operations or lean manufacturing or right or sales and it's like it is possible to have a very very deep skillful like 
knowledge and understanding of this process and how you implement it and how you be effective with it. But it's, it's so far, there's just such a huge gap in that knowledge and skill set out there. And I think that's the biggest thing is that, and like, and it hasn't been part of the conversation. So these CEOs, these high level C-suite people who are like, honestly, like no bullshit, they're 85% white men, because that's the world that's been run. They don't see the value in culture. Like it's just, there's so much of that out there where it's like this millennial concept. It's a waste of time. It's about feelings and shit. And it's like, it's tactical, it's strategic. And as soon as the world wakes up to like, it's as strategic and tactical as marketing or sales or, or anything else in your organization, it's like, and get those skills into people's hands so to me head of culture it's like you know uh, but it's like if you're hiring a, uh, an accountant and you don't know anything about accounting what questions are you going to ask them to understand that they know what they're doing and, and i think that like the the tactical how to approach and do culture and implement and like set and establish culture is just it's it's not widely understood yet um so those are some of my thoughts about that i, I agree with you i think it should be like, and, and not even just the CEO cheering this person on because they have ownership of it. If people understand it well, it needs to be like the executive team needs to be so aligned and bought in and hundred percent being committed and accountable to these, right? To whatever your culture is, if it's behavior-based, not value-based, behavior-based, mindset-based culture, like then it's done well. But I mean, Again, you line up, yeah. We got 12 seconds. Okay. I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm using a rope, but I'm looking at the Zoom. I'm like, dude, they're going to kick us out here. I said everything I need to say. That's it, man. I love Perfect. you. This is great. Hey, listen, uh, thank you so much for this. <laughs> this. This is literally, listen, this is literally the best fucking episode that I've ever recorded. I think it's the longest. I think it's the best. I hope this is one of the best episodes that you have been on. Because, Absolutely. Uh, yeah, this was good. So I don't have much else to say. Uh, we're going to get kicked out here. Thank you, Galen. Everyone listen to this. I don't know, fucking do everything we said, I, in my personal opinion. Um, any last, literally last statements, Galen? Nah, that's it. Uh, I know it's hard out there. So I don't know. I just have empathy and love for people. I know it's tough, but um, I don't know. There's there's a better way. There's always a better way. So it's like, dig deep, educate yourself, learn, get better. Andy, uh, I, like, I appreciate you so much, man. You're great. Thank you. Thanks a lot, brother. Cool.